Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast from The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 6, Episode 9, titled No Way Out. It's the mid-season premiere. What'd you think of it? Um, You know, it's it's episodes like this that I really wish I didn't know some of the major beats coming. Like, I would have genuinely liked to be startled at uh, Carl getting shot, his eye blown out. Right. That was just like it was out of the comic. I thought it was well executed. In fact, I thought this a lot of this episode was was well-intentioned and envisioned, but there's just some really puzzling lack of giving a shit about continuity and uh-huh. the way things are filmed. And coming from Nicotero, who's usually pretty solid, or is am I misremembering the fact that he's solid? I think he's pretty solid. I mean, he the zombie effects are definitely there. Right, right. I Yeah, I don't remember how he is directorially. Yeah. But I, I thought that there's actually a, all the pieces are there for this to be a really great episode. It's just the execution was problematic. And it's little things. Well, not little things. Big things. Huge like, things. is it day or is it nighttime? Is it raining? Is it not raining? Right. Is it supposed to be ra- Was it raining on set and you tried to film around it and there's a few sprinkles and we weren't supposed to be thinking, oh, God, what's <laughs> going to happen with this time? Or was it raining in the story, but it was just a sprinkle? And, and you decided, ah, oh, this is already way too complicated. Let's, let's scale it back. Yeah, Who knows? I don't know. There's so much continuity stuff in this episode. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like this is another par for the course Walking Dead thing. Though. Yeah. Like... I get it. Walking Dead doesn't give a flying fuck about its continuity. Yeah. If you guys have a problem with it, if you don't want walkers coming around, uh, eating people out of nowhere, too bad. If you want it to be a logical day-to-night sun cycle, too bad. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, stealth zombies, you, you that's just kind of the way the show rolls. Right. But even if you don't have the budget to wait around and get the appropriate twilight sunlight, there's ways to shoot around that with different filters and unfortunately i think in my mind it was raining on set and they were trying to get this all into a particular window so they're shooting around the rain Uh uh-huh so when you see the streets are wet or there's a little pitter patter in the foreground or there's like splashes of of water on denise's glasses yep those aren't supposed to be happening in universe (laughs) and that i assume it was raining so i was seeing that their attempt to do a day the dusk shoot mm-hmm. was was coming across as overcast but i think it was supposed to suggest twilight it, it didn't work no no it, no no, no. They nothing used... they did there was working no i mean I, I i know there's ways you can color shift and, and do different things yeah in editing sure but i don't feel like they did the right things and it felt like yet another completely jarring thing it was totally uh I, I, of course you know the walking dead wouldn't be the walking dead without its uh, problems in that area, and it's kind of cool action sometimes, right? Sure. Like, that's one of the things that Walking Dead gets right. Yeah. Zombie makeup effects, it's action. I felt like it hit those notes in this episode, and it was pretty exciting. Uh, it might have been, like you said, more exciting had you not known yeah, yeah. what was coming, had we not had last week the detail, like scene-for-scene scene spoilers. And that's another thing, like, if you want to get really meta... Putting Glenn in Jeopardy this quickly after putting him in bullshit fake Jeopardy, uh-huh. as I was watching it, that was I think I would have been really invested and frightened 
except for in the back of my mind is like, no fucking way are they going right. to kill him. From the dumpster to the... When we just saw him escape from 50 million zombies underneath a, a dumpster, there's no way that they're going to kill him just like that. Yeah. There's no way. And as I... I mean, I was having that conversation in my mind rather than like with my hands in my mouth. Oh, God, what's going to happen to the Glen? And, um, you know... Right. Those are those are compounding problems that it's like because they did that, you know, that's the reason we bitch so much about it is that we looked ahead to see sometime Glenn's going to be in genuine or mock danger. And this mm-hmm. moment devalues that moment. Yeah. And it did. Uh, the other thing that I find profoundly upsetting is that Kirkman is going with the Negan pronunciation. They're pronouncing <laughs> Negan as Negan. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, to be fair, he did create the character. He did name the character. Sure, but we he also speak to call an it. English language where you know we have words that have the knee sound, like K N E E or N E E. Usually, N E G is pronounced neg, and there's no diacry. I, I just feel like it's a dirty <laughs> pool to be doing that to me. So, hey, man, I've got a guy writing in named Devin. Uh-huh. His name's spelled D E V Y N N. Uh-huh. To me, that's divine. That's divine. <laughs> are we and sure he's probably it's not, a female. Are we sure it's not? That's the thing. We, we are. It wouldn't sure. be the first yeah. time that I gender-bended uh, unintentionally uh, uh, some, some fan mail. No, he, he wrote in specifically to clear it out. Oh. So. Well, you know what? I've lost a battle. I've now lost a war. I'm conceding gracefully. I'm going to pronounce Negan Negan. Uh, however, okay. in all show notes, he will be spelled K-N-E-E-G-A-N. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the way I'll continue to Perfect. protest. Hey, before we get to the action and the episode, just wanted to remind everybody we're coming up on year two of the Bald Move Club experiment, and it's been mm-hmm. really successful. And uh, we've got some new content that we're debuting. We just debuted the, the Quit Your Pitching uh, a couple weeks ago. We'll have a new episode out very soon. Uh, we're doing the first run Bald Movies. We just did a full on review and spoiler edition uh, of uh, Deadpool. Yep, the movie. Uh, we've got a bunch of uh, other cool movies coming out. Uh, you can only get the full spoiler review if you're a club member. Uh, we've got a bunch of other stuff coming down the pike that I want to talk about too much because uh, I want to leave it as, uh, as a surprise. But it's it's inexpensive. You can go to club.baldmove.com to sign up. It eliminates ads on your podcast. You don't have to hear me drone on about this shit anymore. Uh, it supports Bald Move. It gets you a lot of cool uh, custom ways to engage with us and get custom content. Uh, and I think it's uh, got a good value for the money. So check it out, club.baldmove.com. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, shall we get to the actual episode proper? Let's do it. So they catch us up on the whole ambushed by uh, Negan's men thing, which I during the live watch, I remember we were busting their chops on it because it felt like, you know, when you watch Rocky and Rocky 2 back to back, and it's like, mm-hmm. wait a second, we just saw this. What the hell? But... The way they packaged those two minutes last season was that these are a preview for the upcoming season, half season. Kind of. But now the way they're treating it as if that is actually a post-episode stinger. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought it always was. Yeah. It's just a, a stinger. Okay. Because it's just weird because now you've got – I feel like that could have gone seamlessly into that. And, you know, what are the last scene on – if not for this, so you don't have to sit through two minutes of old material to get to the good stuff. Right. I, I think we have an email about this, but it does feel like they're really botching this mid-season Transition. disconnect, right? Yeah. Like, you've got – fans really wanted a crazy go-nuts uh, finale for the, the mid-season there. 
they didn't give it to him, favoring instead to save it for this opener. Uh, they have this weird stinger thing that's like a almost a teaser for next season. Like you said, it's it just feels weird. Like uh, this artificial break in the mid season mm-hmm. feels wrong. I remember thinking we were actually discussing on the live watch last night that if what would it be like if they had ended with Sam being torn apart by zombies? Because I I figured as he's wandering off going, Mom, Mom, right. as they're stepping off the front fucking porch, that he wouldn't last 15 feet. Uh-huh. And now that I've seen the episode, I realize how much more they were doing with this moment. Right. But... It makes sense. It makes sense, <laughs> but on the other hand, it kind of doesn't in a way like they try to do a lot to sell me why sam broke down at that moment which we'll talk about it when we get there but yeah i'm just thinking that man it might have been a much stronger finale if it had ended like imagine if they ended the mid-season with sam being torn apart and carl turning around saying dad with a giant wet hole in his eye where his eye socket's supposed to be uh-huh that's a fucking cliffhanger that is that's a serious cliffhanger. And I don't know what you need to restructure to make that happen, but I feel like if you're just serving the story, that's kind of what you do. They're not just serving the story is the problem. I know. They're I serving know. AMC, and AMC just cares about the dollar. Uh, so anyway, the mouth of Negan uh, disarms our group and gives invaluable advice about eating shit. Uh, he's also got this weirdly kind of prissy, passive-aggressive attitude about... The various lies they're trying to tell, which I actually thought this this character was pretty entertaining. I did too. I I kind of like this opening scene here. He was playing with them. Like I need yeah. one of you alive. I can kill. I probably should have killed you. I'm not going to kill. I'm going to kill you. He's he's the cat playing with his food. Right. Uh, he makes a fatal mistake of detailing just one guy to take Daryl around back to do an inventory of their shit, mm-hmm. and uh, then uh, he gets blown up. They all get blown up. The whole group gets blown yeah, up. It's pretty cool. As Daryl Abraham with an says, RPG. nibble on this, which is a reference to the <laughs> shitting advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I was noticing in second watch is it looked like the guy who was taking Daryl back was wearing some kind of bulky body armor. Okay. It could be just a kind of armor that you get on some motorcycle jackets, but it looked mm-hmm. kind of like they were suggesting he was wearing, you know... Like, like like maybe even beyond police issue kind of body armor underneath that leather jacket, which might also explain Daryl's exasperated, like, ah, some bitch was tougher than you look kind of comment. Yeah. Like he went to stab him, hit ceramic plate, ah, fuck, you know? Uh-huh. Maybe. Uh, I also, I, on the live watch, I guess this is an encoding problem, but the guy's head on flame, the mouth of Negan, uh... I thought they were suggesting that he had already resurrected as a zombie and his eyes were moving around the socket. It, no. I don't think so. No. It, it was, I think it was the trick of the encoding and also the heat sh- shimmering right. off of, of yeah. the flames. Because they actually set a real fake head on fire. <laughs> a I, real I fake think, head. Well, <laughs> I know. I, I mean, mean, it's not CGI yeah. or anything, but they actually had like uh-huh. some kind of lump of uh, silicon uh-huh. and they set it on fire because there's realistic like heat shimmer and stuff coming off of there. Yeah. No, I, that's the thing about Nicotero, right? He's not going to give you shitty, cheesy-looking effects. He's going to go all out on those. Uh, Day-night stuff, right. you know? But, but yeah, he's he's not going to cheap out on the setting a fake head on fire. Yeah. Uh, Rick and company begin their long walk. He just, he just dug into his vault of fake heads. He didn't even have to make that prop for the set. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, Rick and company begin their long walk through the Horde of Alexandria. Sam, surprisingly at this point, seems fine. He's, mm-hmm. he's holding it together. 
Uh, Rick quickly realizes there's way too many zombies to head off with just a few flares. So he says, hey, we're not going to the armory. We're going to go to the quarry and get the vehicles we left behind there. And then we're going to go back into Pied Piper mode and round these guys up and, and wrangle them off. That's fair. Yeah, sure. Not, not a bad plan. Uh, Gabriel offers to take a little ass kicker and uh-huh. and find shelter for her, which Rick pretty much takes at face value. I, I think reluctantly. Like, there's some look on his face that says, God, I hope this works. But he does say thank. I guess there's no... I, I'm just saying as a, as, as a father, I wonder if Rick would have thought that she would be better off with Gabriel or... Even though he's doing the more dangerous mission, I'm. She's also surrounded by people who genuinely care about her, who I know have backbones of steel and who will die to protect her, rather mm-hmm. than Gabriel, who, you know, slips in the mud and ah, throws the baby up in the air and just runs. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Gabriel's really quickly going from complete coward to badass here. Not sure how I feel about it. They all are though. Like, That's true. All of the like... Alexandrians are a bunch of idiots, and they're all, they've all swallowed bags of cement on the offseason and gotten hard. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, uh, just, again, it's bright and sunny out at this point. Yeah, beautiful day. Yeah. Uh, in the maximum security drywall prison, Rosita and Tara debate the merits of doing something heroic and stupid or waiting and playing it smart, to which I thank you, Rosita, because mm-hmm. this is the kind of dialogue that the show almost never has. Yeah, the person wanting to do the understandably desperate thing to save someone they care about, and the other people like, no, you'll get us all killed, and their cooler heads prevailing. I don't know if I guess if this was Rick, she'd have been like, "Fuck it," and grabbed the hatchet and gone out there. But she's not. So, uh, Carol and Morgan come to, and Morgan realizes the full extent of his fucking up that he's mm. let this wolf go, who's kidnapped the niece, and you know now Carol really wants to kill him. Yeah, there are some changes of heart that I want to talk about later on. Okay. Which are interesting from kind of all sides of this thing. Uh, So there is now a whole bunch of interspersed uh, stuff about... um, There's a whole bunch of interspersed scenes now that have the wolf and Denise and the people and the the rest of the group kind of interspersed really close together. I'm just going to tackle them as, as, as if they happen sequentially and not all cut together. Uh, the two scenes are uh, uh, the, the niece and the wolf and Glenn and Enid. So Glenn and Enid go and plan to sack the church for usable weapons. Uh, <laughs> They've apparently heard about a Bible Glock somewhere. No, Glenn just has the suspicion that desperate people hold up at a church would hoard some kind of useless really? supplies, including weapons in perhaps a hollowed out Bible. And he, I mean, they try to do some stuff with the dialogue here. So it's like, it just depends on who searched the building first, Heath or... Or uh, uh, Aiden, you know, like if he's okay. got here, then. But this is inside the walls of Alexandria. Yeah. Or are we still outside? We're inside no, the we're, walls. I, I think we're inside the walls. Because I mean, when they run the up gate. to Maggie, yeah, yeah, yeah. they run. Yeah. From She's inside on, the city. Yeah. I. I mean, oh, whoever ransacked the church first. These people have been living here for at least a year. Mm-hmm. No one has gone through and cataloged and inventoried this church's possessions. Maybe. Also, yeah. why the fuck is Gabriel using a garage for a church when he's got a perfectly serviceable church church here? <laughs> right. That is a little weird to set up a makeshift church when you have an actual church. Yeah. Inside the walls. I mean, maybe I missed uh, all those conversations about whether we should use this common area as a rec room or use it for a church, but. I don't think you did. I think okay. they just didn't happen. 
and yeah, it makes zero sense to me how they have a church that they're not using. What do you think of the meaning of the quote from James there? Faith of that works is dead. Uh, I felt like it was a reminder for Enid to, to go out like, okay, now she believes in this town, but she's got to show it. Uh, so go help with Maggie. Okay. Cause I don't, why did she start believing in the town? Like, Glenn talked her into it, but over the man. course of their journey back, yeah, maybe between the gate and the church, or maybe she always believed in it. Like, like actually, her running away yeah. was. I, I think they were trying to suggest that her running away was not her true self. It was more reflexive than anything. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Glenn also mentions it's going to get dark out soon, which okay. <laughs> oh, it is, it is, buddy, <laughs> real yeah, fucking in the space soon. of a commercial break. <laughs> Uh, they're also establishing in these shots, uh, that it's, it's starting to rain. Like every time they show the high angle shot of the wolf and Denise, she's also kind of shivering. Like we debated like what her incessant shivering was all about last night. And I thought it read that she was kind of getting cold, which would make sense if she's being rained on. And she's also afraid you said, well, maybe just because she's pants shittingly afraid of the wolf. But no, now on second viewing, you might be right. She might be really cold. Uh-huh. With this rain shower. I... But why would you introduce rain in an episode where they're trying to do the guts gambit? And Unless not... you want us to think, oh no, here comes the rain. Yes. But then you cut over to Rick and company, and they're... Fine. They're wet. Like, you can see their hair is wet and they're stuff. they're, like, sweaty. But they still have all the guts on them. Yeah. Like, everything is fine. And it's, it's, it's Sam whimpering that brings on the zombies, not... Yeah. Uh, and and his whimpering triggered by like I, I feel like they should have committed to the rain thing honestly. Well, I would have felt it would have felt cheap if they went there again to me, unless they had a, a character who was like, oh god, this again, like Rick, Rick's out there. This in Georgia, they get a lot of rain in Georgia. This happened though, last time. I probably yeah. I mean, in the in the, the winter in the Midwest, I imagine in the winter, fall, spring months. Probably are we in the <laughs> the tough Georgia winter? It's rain right now. Without, I mean, not obviously right now, but I'm talking about in the in the, <laughs> oh, okay. in the episode. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly when we are. Uh, so anyway, Enid, we, we've talked about this. But Enid calls Clint on some of his bullshit over the last few episodes. Like you're the one that talked me into coming back here and how this would save my life. And now look, right? And he says, like "Why well, was he Obi Wan Kenobi, Kenobi sir?" And says it was just a metaphor that like. You know, you carry the memory of your loved ones, and if you act in a way that betrays that memory, you erase it. You know what else erases loved ones' memories? Your brain dying. Yeah. And being reanimated by a zombie virus. Uh, I I, I like how she spins it around on him, right? Like, look, you convinced me of this shit, now I'm gonna act on it, and you can't get all huffy when I do. Yeah, and then him trying, that's exactly right, like, this is bullshit that's gone on for about three episodes too much, I'm tired Uh unto death of characters trying to talk themselves out of equally heroic sacrifices. Mm. Like, get get the fuck out of here. Like, Maggie being pregnant is about the only one that I will stomach from here on out because she's literally surviving for two. (laughs) Everybody else has got equal amounts of ass on the line, so can we just stop this shit? I feel like maybe the argument should now be more along the lines of, is this a worthy goal for for my sacrifice? And and since the whole group's going to pitch in, you can't just say, well, it's just going to be me. This is on me. Like, you have to take communal responsibility for people. I would like I would like an awareness of that too. 
so anyway, her job is to, f- to build a makeshift, ro- makeshift rope while Glenn is looking for his Bible Glock. Uh, the wolf teases Denise, I guess. Like, it starts out... This is the weird thing about this episode, which I think is strangely effective. Like, he starts out just fucking with her mm-hmm. and ends up, I think, kind of falling for her? He certainly sacrifices himself for her, which is out of wolf character. But there's this one long, like, uncomfortably long thing of him just kind of staring at her and smiling and kind of almost looking bashful, like... Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, it's like when Bambi first found the skunk is, is, is what it was like, and I, I just... I, it felt too abrupt for me. Like, unless this key guy has like the mental capacity of like a eleven-year-old, he might. And then I could see him falling in love for this person who's cared for him. And maybe this is the first time he's felt this kind of like selfless humanity. And he spun, you know, gloms onto that. I here's the thing. Maybe I can pinpoint this to what one of the things that I don't really care for about the walking dead uh nothing really feels all that earned like those changes they kind of oscillate in their positions yeah, yeah i'm trying to so justify often here, but yeah and none of it ever really feels that earned it's like i had a conversation with somebody and i've changed my mind well you that rarely happens in real life no. where you have a conversation that's so profound that it changes your life what happens is you have experiences mm-hmm. things things that happen to you that reinforce change your mind yeah. over the course of time and yeah. this show never really goes there it it always no. goes to the conversation and the highfalutin moralizing well that's that I, convinces I think if somebody. Scott Gimple were here in a chair he'd say well you see Jim that's the reason we repeat these conversations so many times to accurately model someone's Mind being changed over very long discourses, but where's but where are the yeah no, the works? And, where are the works? And the, also the things that happen to them that cause the change. Their character changes like the characters tax back and forth, and then they go on the new direction. It's yeah. like it's like Eugene's a heroic, a coward, heroic, a coward, heroic, a coward, and now he's in like, the middle I of taking see them, another heroic turn here. The thing that feels more natural to me is when a character resists change. Yes, not oscillates back and forth yes. between will I change, won't I change. Sure actively resist that change until they can't anymore because they're presented with new light. New shiz yeah, come to light, man. Come to light, yep. And now I have to change. I have yep. no choice. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. Uh, the other thing I thought there was this comment where he says, you know, I wasn't born this way. I changed. I want to help you to change. Which I actually thought was a kind of neat idea. Like, I didn't know where they were going with this. I'm like, what if he gets her off to the wolf camp and where she, like, gets turned into... Would that be interesting to see someone like a Eugene or... Like, I don't know if Glenn or Rick could be turned. But, like, a Eugene <laughs> Morgan, or a Morgan Tara could go back. or a... Mor- yeah, Morgan or Carol. clearing again. Carol, like... Carol what, might be a candidate. To, to see, like, an extended half-season-long of them being uh, kind of uh, the same way Game of Thrones of Theon. Like, he, someone gets turned from one thing to another. Uh-huh. Like, that'd be kind of interesting. Oh, they're going to go there. No, no, they don't. Um, but it was a neat idea, and they have these just, again, incredibly long cuts of the wolf just creeping Denise the fuck out. Uh, so it's a commercial break, and it has gotten instantly pitch black dark over the course of the commercial break. And they're still walking, holding hands, so it's, not much time has passed. It's also completely stopped raining. Uh-huh. Everything's dried out. Uh, Sam picks this inopportune moment to mediate, mediate on Carol's threats. And I think mm. what triggered him is that he sees a child walker. He does, yeah. 
and they they kind of linger on that, and that's like that starts having him reflect and kind of. So I guess that makes sense. I think so. I don't know that it's satisfying, but they do do the minimum necessary on screen to communicate what the fuck is actually why has he started the change. And it's dark now, I guess. Dark is scarier for kids. Sure. I, I thought it was. I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah, and they have like a pre- on second watch. And they have a pretty nifty zombie montage where they're gnashing their teeth and you <laughs> uh-huh. know doing smash cuts to them growling and shit. And he starts whimpering and is instantly beset upon on all sides by zombies. I think I know why it turns day to night instantly. Why? They needed it so the fire would look cool. But you didn't have to turn instantly. Like it could have been <laughs> dusk in this <laughs> right. scene. Right. Fair enough. And but once they get halfway break. through the filming and they're like, "Oh shit, it's yeah, still you got broad minutes daylight." Till Daryl and his fucking truck comes up, man. <laughs> Let's. I, I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, uh, but they had to make it go to night later on because a, it's scarier, and b, fire. Now, what I couldn't get enough of on my subsequent watches was Michonne giving the best. Oh man, this is completely fucked. Looks I've ever seen. And it just gets uh-huh. more deranged. Her eyes get bigger. They're like cue balls by the end of the episode when Rick goes running out there and she's in a frenzy. It's 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 pretty crazy. I think Denai Gurira and Andrew Lincoln do some really strong work in this episode. And I think this, okay, I feel vindicated as a Rashon shipper. Why is that? Because I feel like her reaction to saving, getting out there and saving Rick is specific to Rick. Ah, like her okay. urgency and the fact that the only thing that stayed her was the fact that like this is you know this is this is his son hello that we're trying to save here i feel yeah. like that there is more than just brotherly and sisterly affection between them yeah and they've done a pretty good job building that through the seasons i agree that this is if then that's that would be the hilarious thing if rick and him her both get other love interests because oh, they've God. beautifully constructed this believable right. relationship between these two characters and then like nah rick's need to needs to get with the white woman she needs to get with the black man <laughs> like if they do that <laughs> fuck you guys there's only one black man left right no heath <laughs> is still in the mix that's so. true heath could be morgan. heath or gabriel or morgan that's th- yeah there's, they're all over the place now but they're sure to die soon enough none of them are as cool as rick gabriel already set the wheels in motion for his death yeah he, he got a few extra lines this episode some heroics he's gonna die soon uh what'd you think of rick reliving a bunch of hot jesse flashbacks that then turn to like kill kill bill vision when he starts hacking at her arms off also what do you think of the idea of her as she's being consumed by zombies keeping an iron grip on the 14, 15-year-old Carl. Like, Carl didn't even try to wrench away. He was just staring at his hand going, oh, God. Yeah. He could have wrenched out of that. Come Maybe on. Maybe it was too much. Maybe it was too much for him, even. I didn't. I thought maybe he didn't want to move because they might start attacking him if he did sudden herky-jerky movements. There again, like I, I feel like sure. the filming in this scene in particular was fairly sloppy. Like, it's it's a compelling idea with what happened with Ron and sudden betrayal and shooting Carl's eye out. But yeah. just everything about it, the way it was staged, the way it was shot. It, honestly, it would have been better in Dusk because we could have seen the, what, a lot more of what's going on. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I where did. people are standing, where Carl was in relation to his dad. Like, that would have been a lot more clear. Yeah, I'm. I'm I don't know. Okay. I don't really need it to be all that clear. I thought it worked uh, decently so, well. So Ron has had enough of Rick's shit after he sees him cutting his mom's arm off, and now the rest of his family's died. He's going to shoot Rick, but Michonne stabs him first, and 
He kind of, as he's dying, he shoots off to the side, blows Carl's eye socket out. <laughs> right. And, and I'm awarding Zombie Kill of the Week here to the zombies for taking out the entire Anderson family. <laughs> Just done. Forget about him. Yep. Yep. Uh, and now Michonne goes into high gear, this is fucked mode, and just starts hacking and slashing anything. Opinion. Do you think that she's going to have any guilt over how this thing went down? Guilt? What do you, why would you say that? Well, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying it's rational or not, because guilt rarely is, but mm-hmm. I think you can make the case that if she had just kept her cool and let Rick... Maybe Rick could have talked Ron down because Ron didn't seem oh. like he was on the verge of shooting. He was just having a highly emotional reaction uh-huh. to his mom and little brother being killed and maybe arguably aided and abetted by Rick. Um, I wonder if Rick could have been like, hey, son, put the gun down. Like what, whether the zombies would have allowed, I don't know. But I'm saying yeah. I wonder if Michonne will feel guilty that she stabbed Rick or Ron. Ron shot Carl. That kind uh- of thing. Do you think Rick will feel sore yeah, for her about it? I don't. Hmm. That, that's a good question. I don't imagine that he will, but I guess there's room for it to happen. Like she did, you know, not purposefully, no, and not directly, but she indirectly caused Carl, to which get is shot. always what gets you fucks with you when you're dealing with guilt, <laughs> right? So I, I right. think I could see her feeling guilty about it and uh-huh. Rick trying to, you know. Absolve her of the I'll guilt, say this. and then them I, having a hot sex scene. I, okay, over Carl's eyeless corpse. No, oh god, <laughs> that would be Game of Thrones. No, he's not a corpse yet. There. Give him, okay. give him some time. Yep, yep. Uh, I don't. I'll say this. I don't think she has cause to. I don't think she should feel guilty about it, but she mm-hmm. might. Okay, she might. I would and, like and that would be it. understandable. I would like that would be a nice character moment between them. Okay, because I think I don't think Rick would. I think Rick would like completely. Like, no, you. Not your fault. You you helped save us. You saved us all. That kind of stuff. Maybe I shouldn't have taught that kid how to shoot and give yeah. him a gun and yeah. And or maybe tried I should have shot him new daddy better, and he would have hit me in that car. Yeah, maybe. I didn't go over that crucial when you're stabbed through the aorta and you're <laughs> and you're you're losing consciousness to, to keep that sight picture. It's important. <laughs> uh, back at the drywall prison, Eugene tries to figure out which end of the machete he's supposed to use <laughs> while trying to talk tough for Rosita, who is not buying it. That's what he's trying to yeah. do. Like, hey, uh, I'm ready to kick ass out there, Sarge. And uh-huh. she's like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, I got a free tip for Eugene. You want to look like a badass? It's just a haircut and wearing a proper fair, a pair of fucking pants away, man. Yeah, maybe get uh, some dress blues. There you <laughs> or go. Or jeans, some Carhartts. Right. Overalls, even. Otis rocked that shit. Like, yeah. this, these cargo shorts and the mullet. It's got to go. Shave your head, grow some lobes. You're looking like a Bermuda version of MacGyver, man. This has got to go. <laughs> Tommy Bahama version of MacGyver. Uh, uh, so the wolf is talking some shit about Denise's friends, thinking they'd put up a fight because he's hearing this gunshots and screaming. And she slings it right back at him. And he reiterates that they've been waiting, low these hours, for a gap to appear that they can shoot through and get to the tower and climb over the wall. Yeah, so I assume they've been waiting like 10 minutes. Right. And I'm like, dude, gap or get off the pot. You can't just be sitting here through a whole day-night cycle telling this per- poor girl who's not even shaking. She's not even shivering anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, your 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 creepiness is lessening by the minute here. You got you got to get. You got to go. Uh, again, I think he takes a shine to her because he decides that this gap is good enough. It's not big enough. They hit zombie resistance almost immediately. He's kind of fighting his way through, but she just... You can tell she hasn't sat through any machete lessons, and she's about yeah. she's ready to give up the ghost the second the zombie grabs her. 
and he sacrifices himself to save her. Surprisingly. Like, at this moment, I was like, did she change his mind? What happened here? Well, even the way he was trying to encourage her to run, I feel like that he was... I Again, I can't shake the feeling that he was taking a shine to her. Now, it's irrelevant, because he dies in this episode. Right. Uh, I wonder how she'll feel about that. It seems like this is... Something about this, her getting a mastery of her fear, and maybe that was what the shaking was all about, her having kind of like a, a you know, a panic reaction, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that whatever this, this wolf experience helped her get over her fear and self-doubt. And she does. Uh, you know, she springs into action, which I really enjoyed seeing. Uh, Denise is, is quickly becoming one of my favorite characters. Love Denise. Yeah. Uh, uh, but... Uh, I I think maybe I tuned out a lot of this stuff because it was just belaboring the point so much. Like they just constantly hit this like His, the, the last three Wolf, scenes they Denise had together moralizing stuff. I just tune it out. I watched la- it twice and I tuned it out both times. No, there was three scenes where the the camera work was the same, the dialogue was mostly the same, and their back and forth is the same. You're you're entirely right, and that's the cr- you know this movie was seven minutes long. Or sorry, this episode is seven minutes longer than normal. Oh, and. Huh. I feel like there was definitely fat to be trimmed. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of people, and we'll get to this in feedback, but a lot of people were saying, like, for such an action-packed episode, it felt oddly like it dragged Yeah, a little in some places. Uh, at the drywall clink, Morgan tries to make up and bond with Carl, uh, but she's not having it. She says, you saved the wolf for yourself, not us, which she's got him dead to rights, mm-hmm. and says that she should have killed him. And I don't think she's wrong. I agree with her, yeah. And he says, you can't, Carol, mm-hmm. to which he just whips around and blows his head right off. That would have been the proper that, response. That would have been the shit, wouldn't it? Okay, yeah. And then she says, nibble, nibble on this. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah I, she says nibble on this. She, she teabags him. It, she clam slams him and says, nibble <laughs> on this. Yeah. That's exactly what she would do. I, I don't know. It's that. How interested are you in this? Should we, shouldn't we kill? I'm thing. pretty sure I went on record like 10 weeks ago saying I'm fucking over it. Yeah. Like this, the extended debate they're having is uninteresting to the max. I'm entirely on Carol's side. And she's kind of a borderline psychopath at this point. So Morgan really has to put up an uncompelling argument. It's it's a purely selfish act. I yeah, mean, totally. Carol has him pinned. Yeah. No, she's absolutely right. Uh, but there's something inside her that won't let her kill Morgan. Well, because she's a good person. <laughs> who's not? Who's worth saving and not endangering by throwing a psychopath in there that you haven't told anyone about? This is... I, I know, much, but like... This is arguably worse than what she did by killing the two inmates that were infected, right? She did that unilaterally without anyone's knowledge, but it's not like that kind of thing could spiral out of control. It's not like she killed two people and then suddenly 16 more people are going to die. Him taking this wolf in the walls is that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to get, like, I know they've gone over and over this thing, and this question of should we or shouldn't we kill has been kind of done to death over the last few episodes. Uh Uh-huh. But it is one of the more interesting questions, and it's one of those things that we're talking about, like, for the good of the group, what actions need to be taken? Yeah. Uh, This is not like a... This is not like the the Enid and Glenn situation, which is starting to really make me roll my eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is more like, what is for the greater good, you know? And when is it worth it? And like, 
I kind of like that basic question. I just don't know if I need it hammered on over I and think over. there needs to be more shades of gray, not... I mean, and maybe the writers think that this is a Shades of Grey situation, to which I think, really? It kind are of you, is, but... Are you living in this world? How is it a Shade of Grey? How can you justify Because she won't kill community? him. Right, but how much danger is the community in when one guy refuses to kill? And I know he brought the wolf in, and that's unforgivable. That right there yeah, okay, should get okay. him killed. So you're saying... I think, but like that's that's over with now, right? Like now the decision is: do we kill the man? Do we do we bring these consequences down I, on him? I for mean, his but so if Morgan actions? had like a bandolier of wolves on his chest, being like, "I'm gonna set them all free," uh-huh. like Carol takes the shot. But I feel like that she's kind of thinking that surely this stupid, stupid man is going to see and like I've made mistakes, probably yeah, that endangered the group, and I've all not been my best self this entire time, maybe. That's what's staying her hand because I do think if Morgan, if he, if he has the misfortune of fucking up like this again, Carol will absolutely yeah. don the hood and become the executioner. Yeah, unilateral or not, you're right. You're right. She will. I mean, it's funny that in like four or five episodes, Morgan's become almost more annoying than Father Gabriel. <laughs> it's surprising. Anyway, but, but I think you're right. <laughs> Uh, Denise and the wolf make it across the garage. I missed I missed pointing out the fact that the reason they're doing this is because she pledged to save his life if she can get him to the infirmary. And it looks like she's trying to uh, th- th- make a tourniquet on his arm with a belt to try to s- you know, slow mm-hmm. down the infection. And uh, presumably she'd wing that, you know, she'd whip that arm right off and maybe he'd be saved. Who knows? Yeah. Worked for Herschel. Yes. Well, that was a lot quicker of a thing, but... <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, but anyway, they, they made it to this makeshift community room thing that we've talked about uh, a few times, which is apparently just across the street from the infirmary, and they're about to go across the street when there's a zombie attack, and also Carol just takes the wolf out, just plugs him twice in the chest, thinking that, uh, you know... Smart. The- I still say smart. So uh, here's my question. Yeah. Was Denise rope-a-doping the wolf, knowing that so. she was m- making them go back into a circle to take them back to the drywall prison? Sla- I think the drywall prison and the infirmary and pantry are kind of all adjacent. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know the geography. The I don't either, but it seems... Even like, though Deanna drew a map. It, I don't think so, because I feel like her reaction to him changing was genuine. I thought so, too. But yeah. it was in the back of my mind. I wonder if she intended it because, you know, Carol's right there to take the shot. And you think in Carol's mind, this has got to be like such a stroke of luck. Yeah, right. Like, holy shit, the prodigal <laughs> wolf returns. Kablam. And I can save Denise in the process. Like, right. I'm doing a great thing here. And I think she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, shoot him for sure. Yeah. Uh, especially no, not knowing whatever kind of bullshit change of heart he's had. Sure. And even even if Denise had been like, no, 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 you got it. No, after she's been through this shit yeah. with Morgan, no way. Uh, this actually shocks Denise, which is why I think that this was not like a put-on act. Uh, it shocks uh-huh. her until both Carol and the wolf both say, go! Mm-hmm. And she does. And the wolf, like, tackles a walker out she of the does, way. because he's dead. dying he's, moments. He's dead anyway, so he yeah. kind of gets a heroic turn. I guess he gets to go to Valhalla. He does. He clearly saves her life uh, a couple of times. So, change of honest change of heart on the wolf's part in I my wonder opinion. I wonder if they're setting up something here where Carol and Morgan are going to have some kind of trial like official Alexandria trial and Denise is going to be like well in his last moments he saved my life and he did this so it's very arguable that what Morgan was doing is correct okay I could see where this thing would get real divisive yeah 
So, I mean, from the seeds of this kind of disaster, maybe something interesting will grow. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so Aaron, Heath, and Denise are in the um, infirmary, and they see Rick and Michonne terrassing over with Carl in tow. And she almost has a panic attack, Denise does, because she sees this before she gets her shit together and says, nope, and just takes total command of the situation. Yep. Uh, Rick gets in there. He finds Carl is being as cared for as best as he can and decides, you know what? Time to trot out the classic psychotic break. <laughs> and he goes out there single-handedly. To, he's back in the tombs, man. Phone in hand. Welcome to the tombs. He's, he's, he's just going to go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, he's, he's got the hatchet in one hand and Ma Bell in the other. Just <laughs> left, right, left, right. I thought it was appropriate. Sure. You know, he this happened last time when he lost Lori. He potentially has lost his only remaining family member. No, 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 I'm sorry. Judith is still around, but he probably lost her, too, because Gabriel's got her. Yeah, you can uh, just assume. <laughs> so he assumes he's lost everyone he's yep. ever loved. Yep. And now he goes out and he goes crazy. I, I liked it. Yeah, no, he's gone through psychotic breaks when he had an infant daughter and young son, depending on him. Before, like this is kind of this is kind of what Rick does, so yeah. I don't mind it. And then the group always chips in and helps Classic him out. Classic return to form. I like that too. I, I like that they're not just going to let crazy Rick go die. Sure, uh, Michonne is is absolutely losing her shit now that her man's out there <laughs> risking his life, and she's stuck in here uh-huh. helping essentially tie knots with Denise. Whereas Denise quite reasonably points out, well, this is his son. What do you think he'd want you to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Spencer, Heath, and Aaron are taking note of Rick's psychotic heroics, and they decided they don't want him to go out like that. So they go, they go rush to help him. Uh, and Rick and he, he, we kind of we see kind of a montage of him inspiring people. Like people look out the windows and they're like, "That's it. Let's get our kitchen knives and our fucking machetes. Let's head out there." Mm-hmm. He insists that we can beat him. Uh, Gabriel's moved to and hands off Judith to one of his prayer circle people. Uh huh. And uh, who's the other guy? The the big construction guy. I forget his name. Mister Carhartt. Yeah, he's he's God just a damn big construction it, I was dude. Talking, big dopey construction guy. Yeah, he was the right hand man of uh, the other guy whose name I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, he did <laughs> a little Reg. A little bit of pep talking last. Reg's right hand man. End of last season with Rick Talbot. That sounds right. Let's call him, <laughs> or just stick with Mr. Carhartt. Uh, I've got it open here. I could probably tell you. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, they're trying to talk some sense into Gabriel. And he's like, look, look, I just got a communication from God. And he says, good news, y'all. You're already saved because I'm inspiring the courage in you to go out there and save the town yourself. Right. So, Which is how God does things. That's true. He, he helps you help yourself. Uh-huh. Uh, and to the extent that you help yourself, you tend to get helped. And, uh, that's how that stuff works. So Morgan finds the wolf zombie and, uh, says he's sorry before dispatching him. And there was enough of a pause there that I'm like, I really hope he bites you right in the dick, Morgan. I hope he bites you in the dick because that's what you deserve. So this reminded me of season one when Rick says, I'm sorry to uh, bicycle girl. I think it is. It's reminded me a lot of that, and their characters are, you know, inextricably tied through season one. So I feel like that's what they were trying to evoke here a little uh, bit. It's dumb because that was episode one, season one. This is episode nine, season six. There's been a lot of <laughs> it's not a lot of emotional and topographical geography close, yeah. to go through. I mean, it's true, but I couldn't help but think about it. Yeah, no, right? you're it's right. The same line thematically, it's, it's satisfying. Yeah, I just 
like is he what is he apologizing for here is he apologizing for killing for him failing him as a walker right is he apologizing for not not killing him and letting him become a walker no nah, i think it's it's just failing him like i i didn't couldn't save you if i was as good as as tabitha's daddy I would have been able to save you. I could have hmm. talked sense in you sooner, and maybe you could have stood with us instead of against us, and none of this would have happened. Okay. That's my, you know. Yeah, I could buy that. But who can tell the mind of a Morgan, honestly? Uh, Glenn and Enid's plan goes fairly well, which is she's going to climb up the walls because she's all shifty that way. That half of it goes well. And brings brings Maggie some makeshift rope while Glenn distracts the local elements of the herd, which goes too well. He's got, like, a sizable portion of them. Yeah, and he, sure, he gets cornered. Yep, he's just about to get overwhelmed. And, again, I could not get into this because I was just in disbelief. There's no way, no way, (laughs) no way. Just full auto. There's no way you kill Glenn this close to having him be redeemed and talking all this shit to Enid. Yeah, yeah. There's just no way. And then, sure enough, Abraham and Sasha take some... Pretty risky shots. Very risky. But on the other hand, he was going to die. So, sure. What's the point? Like, yeah. what's the point in holding back at that moment? Yeah. Indeed. Uh, I, I was kind of curious about Enid's plan here. She goes up. She has this rope makeshift rope thing that she's made out of. Uh, I don't know. Glenn's underwear. And... It looked like it was actually uh, priestly vestments. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's, it's, it's like that. That was you know, whatever that purple sash that the priest wear. That was a prominent part of it. Some flags, I think. Huh. So, I okay, think it church worked. and state getting uh, intermingled there. <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> sure. Uh, but no, she goes up there and it, like there's this lip on the fence that is perfectly sturdy and stable. Uh huh. It seems like if I'm Maggie, I want to be up on that. But she, that's what happened. The, somehow, the one of those supporting posts last season or last half season collapsed and was putting her in a precarious position. It was starting to collapse. Yeah, but no the, longer safe. The, so there's there's a distinction. You could to be just made straddle here. the wall, like you know, sit on it with your crotch riding the lit. But the, you don't have to. Did you see the thing that Enid walks down? Like she doesn't climb up the ladder to get onto this thing. Uh-huh. She climbs up like a part of the wall, yeah, uh, and then goes up through this little hole and walks down like like a castle wall a type thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, I know. I didn't see that. I thought she was like putting her feet on the structural steel that was. Yeah, but there's there's that like parapet looking thing up there. Why doesn't Maggie jump on that instead of the shaky thought, ass platform? Oh. She wooden bullshit platform she's on. Okay, I thought that that's kind of what she was on. No, so, no, I must have. It was dark in my defense. It was pitch black. <laughs> it was very dark. Uh, so anyway, uh, there's a pretty funny scene. Uh, Abraham and Sasha show up with their automatic weapons and. Uh, as they clear out the area, Abraham says, can you open the gate? I appreciate it, pal. Like, it's the most natural thing in the world. Good stuff. It's good stuff. Big, I like it. Big dumb Abe having fun. Yeah. Like big dumb Abe does. Uh, Daryl pulls in with the tanker car after Glenn lets him in, floods the retention pot with gas, lights it up controversial, at least in, in, in our two-man survey, with an RPG round. Yeah. So, hmm. There are so many things you can light something with. Right. But, okay, I, I've reversed my position after, like, during the live watch, I was like, what the fuck? Why is he lighting this with an RPG? Okay. After thinking about it, time is of the essence here. Okay. Everyone is being swarmed. Maggie's about to be killed. Like, all these things. You just light it with anything you got. And I don't think any of these characters are smokers, are they? 
Has Abraham been not smoking? Does anybody have like a lighter which... on them? Maybe, maybe but not. I would think a lighter you'd have on you just because it's so practical it's for useful. survival purposes. Right. Or but I'm guessing no one does. Are you no telling me does. that old ass fuel tank doesn't have a cigarette lighter? Guy had to unplug for his cell phone. And... Maybe. I, I don't know. Clearly they didn't have anything else to light it with. Otherwise, why the fuck do you light it with an RPG round? I mean, when's the last time a car was manufactured with a cigarette lighter? Uh, they're still being no. well, well, not with the actual push thing. They have the the connector. Well, that's just for plugging your plug. cell phones in. I've, I've, right. I haven't seen something since like the late '80s that actually has a cigarette. You have to special order those. now. Do you? Yeah, I bet you just can buy them off Amazon. Well, that's a special. It okay. doesn't come stock. <laughs> true, true, true. The OEM one will set you back one hundred seventy nine dollars, but <laughs> you can get on Amazon for five bucks. So I'm chalking it up to shit. I don't have matches or a lighter. Let's just do this. Okay. And, yeah. and everyone's about to die. We need to do this now. You can't run to the armory and get a lighter. I just feel, yeah, I know. I just feel like Daryl's the kind of guy that could make fire with a bucket of water and an icicle. You know, he's one of those survival guys. That might take a while. <laughs> that would take a while, too. But, yeah. you know, he's got something. He, he has, has an something. RPG. He has an RPG, and he did use it. And it, <laughs> he, it, it he made fire. Worked. Uh, yeah. So the zombies are lured in like moths to the flame, which... You got like we are not fighting the entire horde. The vast majority of the horde was successfully Pied Piper down the road, so we're dealing with the remnants of that horde. Right, maybe twenty percent, twenty five percent max, and then the survivors are dealing with the leftovers from the zombies that didn't walk into the fire. Right. So I felt like the ensuing. Now I feel like Rick was going to die. Like all of these people would have died had yeah. Daryl and Abraham and Sasha not shown up. Uh huh. Which means that Rick could have kept everybody safe inside, and this would have gone down even better. Except for maybe Glenn doesn't get the Maggie, but that doesn't yeah. that didn't help. Glenn getting Maggie was not helped by Rick's commando expedition at all. No, no, the the fire it was already over with by the time the fire was set. Yeah, because I think if any one of those things didn't happen, they get overrun. Yeah, I'm with you. I after the second viewing, I think it's much more believable with the fire going mm-hmm. um and it attracting a good chunk of the walkers agreed probably the majority of them agreed. It's, it's more believable so it's just and then we get to a, a zombie cleanup montage where everybody's getting like a zombie zumba type workout just yeah you know kind of kind of cool they're going billy I, banks on them i like the editing here i did too i thought you know doing the i don't know just cutting between everybody really fast the first person or a zombie POV of everybody getting uh, getting their licks in. Yeah. And there's everybody. Like, at least one or two people I ne- don't think I've ever seen before. You got Eugene prominently in there kicking ass. There's like a pixie Father cut Gabriel girl. Gabriel kicking ass, yeah. Uh, from the construction site. Yeah. I think she, I think she's still alive. I thought I saw her in there. I don't think anyone died. They, I, didn't, I, I, yeah. I didn't think they lost a single person, which... After the wolf and Jesse and Ron and Sam died. <laughs> right. Uh, which I don't know if that's believable. That no yeah. one died in this action? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I, it seemed to me like, you know, aside from... So so they've all had at least a couple of training sessions, right, with Rosita. They're they're starting to become a little bit more. They're proving their mettle here. Sure. I'm, I'm okay with nobody dying. Uh, especially with the style they were going for. Like, sometimes, you know, it's the rule of cool. And, and if anybody had died, it would have been no one we'd know, known about. Yeah, and it would have interrupted the flow of that scene. And I think that was a wise decision, not to kill anyone there. Just have it be cool. All right. 
So the next morning, there is dead literally everywhere. But it looks like all the townsfolk survived the night, as we discussed. Uh, Rick confesses to a semi-conscious Carl that he was wrong about the people not being able to change. He sees what is now possible when we all work together. Show him the new world. He's feeling a feeling he hasn't felt in years, uh, which he doesn't really articulate. A little crazy tickling in the back of his head. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing that feeling is hope. Like, really, Farmer Rick didn't feel hope? Uh, how long has it been since the farm? Has it been years? It may, I know it's been a year. It's been because I they've had the gun, the, the season of the gun I've planting seen is two and a half years. Okay, but uh, he says before he woke up from that coma. Yeah, that's so he right. has not felt hope since. You know, that could be hyperbole, hyperbole. Sure, but I think this is a really strong scene. Yeah. I think Andrew Lincoln just crushes this scene. Really? Yeah. Wow, I thought it was pretty stagey. Okay. It's hard. And I thought granted, it was it's hard to act across from a comatose teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I still don't feel like he's mastered the art of emoting through a thick southern accent. <laughs> like he can do that's fair anger and uh, but but the grief is where it kind of uh, where he has to art- be, say something. Like if he's just crying, you know. Yeah, I guess I I he can I cry. In his southern accent, he just can't give a stirring speech in one. I guess I understood all the things going on in his head in this scene. And sure. so, like, him effectively conveying those things made it feel to me like he did a great job. Because you get, you get like, that kind of sense of, like, the sense of hope that he did have when he was in Alexandria and he wanted to show Carl this new world and it could have been great. And that's all potentially been dashed here, right? Like, they've saved the town but now he might have lost carl so Mm -hmm. like it's a it's this really bittersweet moment for him sure and i felt like he conveyed that really well uh he's also trying to talk him out of a coma i guess he's saying uh you know carl want to show you this new world and make it a reality and we see that carl at least partially responds by gripping his hand he's not gonna be able to see it very well <laughs> Regardless right. of whether That's he right. lives. My new world requires depth perception, Carl's bad news. Bad news. Oh, I made a joke last night that Enid came in and said, uh, Carl, hey Carl, Carl, Enid wanted me to tell you that she could only love a two eyed man. <laughs> Thought so it was best mean. for you not to get your hopes up, son. <laughs> she requires the loving of man with two functional eye sockets, Carl. <laughs> Carl. Don't leave the Carl. <laughs> he starts a flat line. <laughs> His fingers flex into a middle finger. Um, I don't understand why this is happening. <laughs> Come back to the light, Carl. <laughs> we can find you a one-eyed girl who loves you. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. All right. So that's the episode, man. I assume we have people's thoughts and opinions other than ours that would like to share them with us and the world. At large. Oh, we have a ton. Do we? We have a ton. A metric ton? A huge ass okay. load All right. of stuff. None of this imperial Actually, imperial no, it's, it's not a huge ass load. It's less than usual because we're doing this day early, for people who didn't know. Yep. This podcast is sponsored by Audible this week. They're the nation's, the world's premier uh, outlet for spoken word audio content, including fiction, nonfiction. Uh, they have over 180,000 titles, unabridged titles. And you can get a free 30-day sample at audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove. They had something I was kind of excited to talk about because, as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, uh, uh, Audible supported us for a long time. And Mm -hmm. I've been making book recommendations for a while. And I believe 
that either a year or two ago, I recommended Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn trilogy. Right. Uh, and I got into that myself. And what, what attracted me to the series was uh, the reputation that this had, like, a rock-solid, ma- magical, mechanical universe. Like, the rules were yeah. elegant, and there's stuff that, like, it's grounded in, like, principles of science and... And, you know, as as close as magic can be. And I thought that was uh, a really compelling facet of the universe. And I I burned through uh, the first three books in the Mistborn trilogy, uh, aided and abetted by Audible Service. Uh, What's awesome about that is that uh, I had them all on my Kindle. Uh, I purchased them as audio and and also purchased the audio books with my uh, uh, Audible membership. And it seamlessly synchronizes the two services. So, like, I prefer to read with my eyeballs. And you know when I'm going to bed, I can read, and then when I get up and I and I get into my car and I commute, uh, it'll synchronize my cell phone that has the Audible stuff synchronized to it, so it'll start reading and just pick off right where right, I right left you. off. It's yeah. awesome. That is cool. Um, and I've consumed a lot of stuff that way. I know you've been into it. Um, yeah. But I didn't proceed into the next trilogy because I heard that instead of continuing the stories of Vin and Eland and Sazed, all the characters that I'd gotten attached to, that this skipped ahead several hundred years doing, you know, the, the far-flung sequel thing where all these people are now, uh, you know, legends and mysteries. and the, the, A whole new set of characters. And the setting was now like 19th century America with this oh. mistborn, you know, <laughs> okay. alamancy magical system in place. Um, that kind of sounds interesting, too. Yeah, but I like, you know what? I want to see how this trilogy shakes out. The final mm-hmm. book, or I think it's the final book, uh, the third part of the trilogy just got released at the tail end of this January. Bands of Mourning. Bands of Mourning, and it's already got the audiobook. It's still read by Michael Kramer. He's the same guy that's read all six at this point. So if you're familiar hmm. with uh, the service from the time before, you'll be right at home. Uh, so, And I, I looked at the reviews. The reviews are really good. Good. Even though it's a new cast of characters and all that. So I think I'm going to start plowing into it. But I want to make you guys all aware that that's mm-hmm. one of the new premier flagship things uh, on, on Audible. And if you want to check it out, you can get, again, a free 30-month trial by going to audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove. 30-month trial? I think that's a little Did excessive. Did I say 30-month? Like, I, I don't know how desperate they are to get new users, but a 30-month trial seems like a long trial that is a 30-day trial okay. that you can get at audiblepodcast.com slash bald move that's uh, to access uh any one of the hundred eighty thousand audiobooks they got on there uh, and we certainly appreciate audible for their long-term support of bald move shall we start with feedback let's do it let's do it start off with uh one from our our previous cast our preview thing uh from beth she was happy to hear me ship daryl and aaron she says, I ship them so fucking hard because I'm a horrible person. I'm waiting for Eric to die. <laughs> that's, I, that's Aaron's boyfriend. Yes, Eric. Aaron and Eric, okay. I was so hoping to see his name on the wall after the wolf attack, but alas. Also, while I do agree with you that both Daryl reads as asexual, uh, it is possible for an asexual person to be in a fulfilling relationship with a sexual person. Fil- fulfilling for who? Well... I mean, open relationship, maybe. No, like I, it can't be. If you're a sexual person, if you're asexual, it means you don't have you have an absence of desire, not that you're okay. so repulsed that, you can't that if I else's know, like, desire. yeah, okay, like, like maybe you really like right. getting foot massages, or you really like giving foot massages, but you don't like getting them. Like mm-hmm. you don't like people touching your feet, but if your partner wants their feet touched, you could touch your feet for them. Okay, I could. Fuck, I if don't your know. Your partner is jewels. I don't know, but yeah, like Definitely. I could see someone like I'm going to fucking massage master. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna roll up my sleeves and and give Aaron a handy because I know that's what he wants. <laughs> okay, and what I want is poorly made spaghetti. 
So it was a lot, it's 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 like a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> uh, she says also also the actor who plays Aaron has said in interviews that if Eric were to die, he believes his character would gravitate towards Daryl as a partner when he was ready to move on. Clocks ticking, Eric. Tick tock. I could see Eric go. Eric's done nothing important. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, Eric is definitely the least established character at this point. Was he out there swinging a weapon in I that montage think so. thing? I didn't see him. I didn't see him either. But it's tough to tell. There was Maybe he was, holding, he was bouncing baby Judith on his knee. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to do it. I guess so. Denise could have done it. I want to know, how bad did you feel if you were the four or five Alexanders that didn't go out and do the fray? Like, one of you got one of you had to stay with Judith. So whoever's holding Judith, you get to pass. But the rest of you fuckers got to feel pretty. Yeah. You, know, you, you Tobins and you uh, other people who aren't the pixie haircut girl. At yeah. least nobody died, right? Oh, yeah. Like, if someone had died and we they come back and we're like, we could have used at least four more people. <laughs> that would have exactly saved. Exactly four more people would have made our success a certainty. <laughs> yeah. Unless Patricia died, nobody bad. cares about Patricia. Sure. She's just the, the pantry bitch. Uh, Dan from Philly. Says, hey guys, great episode. Just what this show should be: tension, children getting their face chewed off, and of course, <laughs> unexplained segs from day to night. This show does it all, does it to me all the damn time. I'm ready to bail, and we get an episode that just sucks you in. Unfortunately, AMC was running a marathon, and it just reminded me how awful the last six were. So I'm going to keep hope alive and pray that they kill off that fucking Morgan by the end of the season. Uh, it sounds like Dan's got conflicted conflicted feelings about this show that's i think a lot of people do me too yeah and i think they could redeem morgan's easily redeemable he's got to stop doing stupid shit right and just start swinging his stick around because <laughs> everybody likes seeing Morgan. shut your mouth stick. swing your stick swing your carry so, speak softly or not at all and carry <laughs> your big stick and it's problem solved proud of us none neither one of us made that into a dick joke <laughs> michael p Says, I like this episode, but I have a problem with the fact that Greg Nicotero is the show's most frequent director. Is that true? I don't think so. I don't think he's the most frequent, but he is a frequent director. Yes. Uh, he says, I think he does a nice job, but do you think Vince Gilligan would ever let the fucking makeup lady or dude direct an episode? If he thought they could do a good job. Uh, I do know that they have actors. Like, a lot of shows have the actors direct. Yeah. Um, like, I know in the X-Files. Uh, or Mad Men, Jesus. Like Madman, Slattery yeah. got one. Didn't Lane? Uh, yes, Lane Price. Yes, Jared he got Wilson. one. Jared uh, Harris. Jared Harris. Ham did one. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but actors are more like in tune, I guess, with you know the actual story and what's going on and stuff. Whereas makeup people are typically not. But I feel like Nicotero is more involved directly with a lot of this show. Like he's yeah. one of the lines of continuity. I think they made between... him an executive executive producer too. They did. Yeah. And it, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. He's not. I don't think he's a naturally gifted director. I think he does an yeah. okay job. And and I wonder what his constraints are, like budget wise and shooting wise. Because I mean, clearly there are a lot of problems here that could have been solved with a couple of reshoots. Sure. Um, well, and that's one of the reasons that Vince Gilligan and and uh, uh, you know the Wiener very rarely directed more than one episode per season and neither did ham or slattery or any of those guys because they always said it's it's a killer yeah it's a killer yeah. when you're the head writer slash showrunner slash leading man it's too much and you have to get uh, be on both sides of the glass it's 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 really hard and i imagine mm-hmm. nicotero now i i mean how much of the day-to-day splattering on zombie stuff do you think he's responsible for now 
Do you think he just like sketches out and plans stuff? And is it like is he kind of just approving designs? Because there's no way he's actually doing the bulk of the effects work and also yeah. directing and executive producing and all that stuff. No, he's got like a an effects crew. Yeah, that he's trained over the years. Yeah, and- he's trained these guys and he's got them kind of squared away. And he probably does quality control and he probably yeah. is crucial to brainstorming all the different kind of things that they get up to. Right, but. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to Dan Snow. Uh, Use his last name because it's not his real last name. He's he's doing a Game of Thrones thing. You know nothing, Dan Snow. Right. Why uh, are we reading our email? <laughs> <laughs> he says, thought tonight was a pretty good premiere. Good action, funny lines, uh, the eating shit and big piles thing. Uh, good tense moments. Abraham and Sasha saved by badass Daryl. Glenn using another one of his nine lives. Carl somehow surviving, even though he's shot in the head. Uh also thought Eugene's first zombie kill was quite unceremonious, in the background even. Hmm. But glad he finally nutted up. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he did his thing. I feel like that's not his first kill. When he was saving Tara, didn't he kill a couple of walkers? I honestly don't know. I can't remember. I know they were in the warehouse, ki- and she was pinned. The and- one on-screen kill I know he's got is their deuce-and-a-half truck. Okay. <laughs> Uh, right, he's the the truck assassin. Yeah, uh, that's, so you know, hunting big game there, almost as impressive of, as Daryl taking out a tank single handedly. Uh, Dan goes on. He says, "Just wanted to point out something interesting I noticed on Talking Dead, which I didn't get a chance to watch. So all these comments were interesting to me." Uh, Hardwick, Chris Hardwick asked Carrie Underwood what she thought about the wolf and if he really changed to the light side in that moment of saving the dock. Yeah, I want to see what noted philosopher and student of the human condition Carrie Underwood has to say. All right. So she essentially said, well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. It's hard to say. I guess we'll never know. (laughs) Funny that as a fan like us, she seems to be left in the dark about the character's motivations in this instance. Hardwick asked the actor that played the wolf the same thing, and he spouted off some headcanon about the wolf really being a chameleon and being what he needed to be in each moment. Then, when Hardwick asked the director, Greg Nicotero, he said something about telling the wolf actor that he was enamored with the doctor and he wanted to go off and have a bunch of wolf babies with her. That, I believe. I think it's hilarious that the actor and the director had different takes on the character's motivations and that the director couldn't get his idea across to the actor or the audience. It essentially came off as just ambiguous and unmoving on the screen. Nicotero was great with zombie effects, but to me, he just uh, shows he isn't going to be directing any Emmy-worthy performances. Now... A counterpoint to that yeah. is that Vince Gilligan and Brian Cranston were famously not on the same page about it. I can't remember what it was. That's true. Do you remember what it was about what Cranston's motivation was in a particular scene that was very yeah, important, I, I think, in scene. season two? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was... I think it might have been with Jane. I, uh, I thought it was maybe the Fly episode. Oh, really? Maybe it was some big moment like that. Yeah. And I remember, you know, they they talked about that in one of the behind the scenes podcasts that like it came out on that podcast that like what Brian and Vince were like, oh, right. oh, well, I always thought that he was. And so I think that, you know, you can't get much higher in my esteem than Vince Gilligan and Brian Cranston. Absolutely. And for those to be kind of off the, each other's page, mm-hmm. that just shows how what you put on the screen is open to interpretation. And I think that's where you draw the line, though. You draw the line at. Will I, as an audience member, understand what the director is intending? Right. And the director ultimately has that control. The writer can write what they want. The actor can act the way they want. But the director 
is the guy who's got the vision here. Yeah, dude did this. And I, I, I honestly, I think what was on film was what he said. Like, I, that's certainly what I was getting. Yeah, yeah. That this was more of an infatuation from a pretty damaged, underdeveloped person. And he had already thought that, like, oh, I can change. And we can be together. And, and you know, maybe he was going to change to be of her. Maybe she's going to change to be of him. But And maybe Carrie Underwood just doesn't watch The Walking Dead and likely doesn't, doesn't know the motivations likely of, of previous episodes. Did she have an album to promote? <laughs> uh, probably. I, mean, I, I have no idea. It wasn't but. that she's got to be the world's biggest Walking Dead fan that she's on there. But. Right. Right. Uh, anyway, I, I thought that was interesting, the, the distinction that all three of those groups made. Sure. Uh, Brad Ass says, This episode was bogged down by the nagging voice in the back of my head saying, Why the fuck wasn't this the mid-season finale? Yep. The, the material was much more suited to it, and that episode, which infuriated me with its exceptionally unexceptional writing and flawed character motivation and choices, could have been played down if it was episode seven instead of the finale. That being said, I did find this episode satisfying. And then he has a couple of thoughts. The wolf, be- the wolf was becoming interesting. Wouldn't it have been more compelling if she cut his arm off immediately and he survived and became morally conf- conflicted regarding the group? Instead, he's dead, making Morgan and his idiotic decision to save him pointless. Could have been a fan- uh, fascinating choice. I, it, now, I I will be on that bandwagon full force if they don't make anything about Denise's final moments with him. Right. If if that is just dropped like a plot point and Carol and Morgan keep blathering on without her input at all, I'm going to be pissed. Uh-huh. But I'm holding out hope that they still, you know, that, that Morgan will be somewhat validated. I mean... There, that that's like I always talk about this. That there's four quadrants. There's bad, good results that come from bad processes. There's bad results from bad processes. There's good results from good processes, and there's bad results from good processes. Mm. You know, in my in my thought, you want to live in the bottom half of that quadrant because you want to always have good processes. Because yes, yeah, sometimes bad luck is on your side. And you get a bad result from it. But if your process, you know, you're relying on luck to bring you down rather than luck to save the day. Right. So I still think that Morgan's process of taking this criminal who's insane and unilaterally deciding to confine him in these safe walls with all these soft people is there's no way you can say that that's something we should do. Sure. But. With Denise saying, "Well, actually, in his final moments, he he, I would have been your one medic would be dead had it not been for and the world works in mysterious ways." That fogs up the water enough, I think, to make it interesting. I still in the in in the dis, in the camp of Morgan shouldn't have done that because the way he went about it's fucked up, regardless of the result. Because mm-hmm. it just easily could have wound up in twelve people dying, including their medic. Yeah, totally. Uh, and and that has happened to Morgan before. I mean, sure. the whole reason the wolf showed up is thanks to Morgan. Well, and also the fact he couldn't kill his zombie wife is what led to his I think dying. him and Dwayne getting pinned down and, and dying. Yeah. So, yeah, there. I, if, to the extent that they do stuff with that, I'm kind of on board. But if it's back to you know Morgan and Carol debating themselves that they're blue in the death without any new information, ugh. Surely they're not going to do that. Yeah, and I think uh, Brad might be at odds here with a lot of the other fans who were so grateful for this stuff being dealt with, being over with. I, I know it's not totally over with yeah, yeah. with this wolf thing. There's still a lot to work out with Carol and Denise and all them. Yep. Um, but moving that forward. The, the wolf is gone. Quickly. Uh, and I, I think if they keep the wolf around, we start to roll our eyes going, we're going to have a lot more of this. Versus now we can have a real conversation between the survivors without 
this looming threat of should we or shouldn't we kill him? He's al- it's already done. Let's yeah. deal with the consequences of everything. I 100% agree, though, that I'm thinking what the finale would have been like if they faded to black and rolled credits at, you know, Carl turning around and saying dad with his eye socket hanging open. Uh-huh. It just seems like just a little bit, like 20 minutes of jiggering on that's, the that's back the... half of last season could have gotten that at a everybody. Ga- gasp, right? Just everybody like... would have been like, oh, man, oh, man, this is going to be good. Instead, it's like they went out with a whimper and... You know, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I. Uh, I don't know how this episode is going to be received. I don't know what kind of ratings they're going to be, but like, I just feel like that this show needs to start sweating those details because it seems like they crested. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to start eroding their listener and their well, their watcher base, our listener base. God damn it, <laughs> we got families on the line here. What are you doing? Um, I, I feel like they're going to start eroding that if they don't get their finger in some of these holes of the dike. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe people just don't care. Like no, no. It's I feel seventeen like, million people have not cared to this point. So, but there was twenty. There was nineteen million people. So there are some right. people who care. And like I again, like I was just listening to some of the pop culture commentary from last season, where Bill Simmons, the poster boy of I don't care how stupid The Walking Dead is, as long as there's pretty girls and zombies, I'll be on board. To like this is kind of stupid. This right. is kind of stupid uh, okay. and the same. Like. Hmm. Yeah, the spect- once the spectacle gets old, it's got to be the characters. Mm-hmm. Like if Breaking Bad was just cooking montages. That would be fun for an episode or two. And But then it would get really fucking old. you mm-hmm. got to have the characters and the drama to build suspense to keep audience interest. Yeah. Uh, Brad also says, also, fuck Ron. Uh, fuck Ron. Mo- <laughs> moving on. Justin in Cleveland says, after watching The Talking Dead, just wanted to pass along that Nicotero described the bullet as grazing the side of Carl's face, but bone fragments of the skull flew into his eye, causing the wound. Bullshit. So that help explains the bullet entry Get point you guys were talking about during live watch. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it grazed his right... face and blo- bone fragments I... jumped up and was... What? <laughs> what what kind of JFK there. conspiracy bullshit is that? Why not just... I mean... Oh, God. God, sometimes I just wish you'd let Is the Is that more be. or less believable than taking a bullet to the brain and living? That's what I'm saying. Like, your brain is not, like, down here. It's, like, up here. And if you have a downward facing, it could definitely blow out through there, go through your sinuses and, like, exit behind your ear. And you'd probably be fine. Again, I'm sure okay. if you've been on Reddit, you've seen dude with the rebar underneath his mouth coming out through his the top of his head like people mm. survive all kinds of heinous shit i think i'd be more worried about his blood loss at this point sure but like, you know Edmunds bleed a lot they've established that that uh they have plenty of antibiotics yeah they got plenty of anticoagulants they got plenty of fresh bandages if they can if uh, i feel like that assuming that the, there's nothing in there that they got it like the bullet didn't get stuck in his head that he could fully recover from this like, people okay. live through weird, crazy shit yeah, all the time. for sure. Like, you know, Revenant was based on a true story, for example. Right. Um. I. I yeah, I didn't have a problem. I just, you know, I, I wish Nicotera would be like, people live from crazy shit. Okay. We've, we have some um, dissenting opinion on the editing here. Some okay. Pe- some people like the editing. Uh, Devin, the aforementioned, uh, strangely spelled Devin. Okay. <laughs> has some problems. He sa- he says, so let's talk about this whole shit hitting the fan while sneaking through the Walker Horde sequence. 
I'm absolutely astounded as to how much they managed to screw up this sequence. On paper, this plays out fantastically. It sounds great, makes a lot of sense, yet somehow this managed to be one of the most unimmersive scenes in the episode, and it pulled me out of the moment. I work as a professional video editor, so the first thing that stuck out to me was the pacing. The pacing felt far too slow. Maybe they were doing this to try and build up tension, but I feel that this would have played out much better if this all happened in quick succession and left your head spinning as you tried to process everything that just happened. This was amplified by the staging. Everything came to a standstill, and everyone just sort of stood around as all this was happening. I think it would have added some urgency if they were still weaving through walkers on their way to a visible destination goal. It was almost in sight as Sam cried out and was bit. Yeah. This could have added some tension of them trying to shake off Sam and Jesse in order to get to their destination before their window of opportunities closed off by more walkers. Uh, I understand this would have been more difficult to film, but it would have been nice. Or even if they had, like, as they're trying to reason with Sam, if, like, Rick was trying to push walkers off, like... Right. Instead of them coming from nowhere, that would have built, like, the tension, would kept building and building until he finally gets bit, where... I there mean, they was do the weird... classic kung fu thing, where everybody stands around in a circle, waiting for a moment where they can get kicked in the face. Mm-hmm. That's what the walkers are doing here, too. So it's, it's reverse, like, yeah, kung fu side. You've got a woman full-on screaming her bloody guts out. Yeah. And the walkers just kind of hang around until they they're ready to bite. they that with people like, you know, like Carl and Rick and Michonne fight, trying to fight them off to buy them time. Yeah. Yeah, I, man, I don't know. Uh, I imagine this is, uh, as annoying it is for me as an amateur to watch some of this stuff, I imagine if you're kind of any professional editor or cinematographer or whatever, it must be a real mess. Yeah. Because I I noticed that, like, there's this one guy I watched uh, that was critiquing The Walking Dead, and he was showing the obvious differences in budget between, like, season one and season two. Mm. And he was, he's was he been calling out this day-to-night stuff for a long time. It's horrible. Like, but but he's, like, he was, but he was from the angle of, like, they actually appropriately applied the dusk filter to the scene where they're, like, in the highway, and they're wanting to go search for uh, Sophia, but they're saying we're losing their light. But he's, like, but you can obviously see that the shadows cast on their bodies are from mm. high fucking noon. I'm, like, wow. I, I don't care so so much about that but i'm saying like if you're a professional that's the kind of detail so he was he was seeing these problems back in season two now they're so glaring that laymen are like what the fuck it was broad daylight and raining and now it's pitch black and dry it's getting worse i mean it just it's a symptom of the obvious problem that is we're not going to give you the money you need to make these shows well and now their shooting schedules being compressed because they got fear the walking dead Right. Creeping in on the off season. So it's like maybe two years ago they would have waited for the rain to go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here it's like, no, this fucking show has to be shot. And I mean, I, I don't know if people listen to our preview cast, but we talked a lot about the lawsuit with uh, yeah. Frank Darabont and AMC. Yeah. And like that's one of the big reasons why I'm complaining about AMC you know, being a little too greedy to get stuff done right, because Frank Darabont clearly had a problem with this. Yes. He saw the footage in of, of season two, episode one, and said, this is absolute shit. Like, I thought there was something physically and mentally wrong with the person mm-hmm. creating this episode. Mm-hmm. It was so bad, I needed to change it, and they wouldn't let me do it. Right. Because it would have cost more money. And not only, you know, and those are problems we credit, saw when they were on there. Like, this we way they it. staged the scene yeah. is bizarre. Yeah, it comes across on the screen when they cheap out on things like yeah. that. And this is the biggest show that has been on TV in years. I mean, Lost is probably the last time there was a show this big. Yeah? It's such a cash as, cow. As far as like a drama. It's I, such I know a cash NCIS cow. And shit the the does... raw numbers of people who are watching it yeah. are like network TV numbers. 
So they're getting network that on advertising. TV of decades gone by. Yeah. Like back when network TV was fucking huge. Yeah. Um, they are getting they're getting network TV numbers. Uh, so they're they're rolling in commercials. They're getting name sponsorships and tie in deals, which are highly lucrative. Yeah. They're getting video game licensing is insane. They're, and and also they're getting and they got the Talking Dead, right? Which is just printing money for them. Uh-huh. And they've got Fear the Walking Dead, which even if it's only getting six or seven million people's well, that's still as good as HBO's doing on Game of Thrones. <laughs> right, so, that's a hit show by most comparisons. Yes, it's it's more than Breaking Bad got. It's more uh-huh. than Mad Men got at tight. So they're making tons of money. The fact that they're cheap, they're giving you an inferior product, like maybe yeah. it's good enough for you, but like... I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, if, if you could... It could be so much better. If you could be getting a $40 bottle of wine, would if someone gave you an $8 bottle, would you, well, it's, you know, it's good enough for me. It's like, well, wouldn't you want to see what the $40 bottle tastes like? Yeah, I, like, I don't know. If, if someone like, was making a million dollars a year yeah. and had a shitty apartment and a shitty car and ate Kraft mac and cheese every night, like... But wasn't saving toward anything, just mm. like pocketed the money and never did anything with it till the yeah. day they died. Because yeah. that's what they're doing here. They're going to use it on other stuff, sure, sure. But put it back into your life. Put it back into your show. Some of it, at least, we yeah. know you're making enough. And especially if you take the analogy and be like, you know, it's not just you. If you want to do that and be a hermit, but now you've it's got family, you got a wife and kids, right. and, and the other people that are not having a good time because of this. Like that's uh-huh. us. That's us as the viewers. Yeah. So, and again, if they were making, you know, if you're making the argument that, like, this is paying for Mad Men or Breaking Bad, which was a lot of people's argument for a lot of years, well, now, like, do you feel comfortable that this money's paying for Turn, Hell on Wheels, and uh, Halt, Halt and Catch, Catch Fire? Fire? Sure. Maybe you like Halt and Catch Fire, but the still. The Killing? No, that's on Netflix now. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. I mean, I, 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 it's, it boggles my mind why they wouldn't plow more money into this. Yeah. Because it's really starting, the seams are really starting to show. For sure. Uh, let's move on. King Gore says, uh, this episode was what was expected. They all died. Uh, talking about the Andersons. Uh, all the useless, no good, ain't worth the air, the breathing people died. <laughs> now we can see this show be what it should be. A show of survivors living a zombie invasion, not cooking pie and having parties. Also, was it just me or were some of those shots just shitty with some crappy zombie makeup? Hmm. Mm, I that's the one thing I still haven't seen. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, that's that's one thing I still haven't seen. And, and when I say pretty good, I mean you know some of the best shit out there. <laughs> yeah, like, like pretty good is is under underselling it. I mean, there was I I feel like if you go back in season one and two, you can see some really shoddy zombie work done. Like especially yeah, like foreground zombies just wearing pancake makeup and a couple of wounds. Uh-huh. Which, and I don't even know that was a bad make. That could have just been, well, zombies are fresher. Like, now it's very rare to see a zombie that's not fully skeletonized and got yeah. its lips rotted off. I Zombie effects are the one thing I don't think this show is fucking up. Right. So, sorry, I can't agree with you, but wanted to get you on there. Uh, Matt from Knoxville says, I don't know about you, but towards the end of the episode, uh, when it was doing all the flashes of everyone hacking the zombies to pieces, I couldn't stop thinking that was... Uh, all just a team-building exercise cooked up by the HR guy at some big company. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have been involved in some dumb team-building stuff at work. How cool would this be? Uh, according to Rick, the CEO, 
it worked like gangbusters. Sure. They're going to rebuild society and everything. Yay. Got a new world, Carl. <laughs> right. I don't know. I thought that was just a funny idea. He's like, all right, everybody, we're going to go out here and we're going to kick some zombie ass. And it's going to bring us together. <laughs> Uh, Ed from Calgary says, well, I'm sure Aaron is pumped about moving forward with Rashon, his, mm-hmm. his shipper nickname for Rick and Michonne. Save some enthusiasm for these. These are both awkward. Cargan, Kerrigan, or Moral. Okay. Carol and Morgan mixed Car- together. No way. All that tension wasn't resolved by martial means, so I can't wait to see the water back on in Alexandria. Then Morgan these two and Carol- can finally let off some steam. <laughs> I haven't seen a least plausible pairing since yeah. Paul Abdul danced with the animated cat, man. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here with that shit. No, I to- I wanted to read it, but I'm totally with you. <laughs> What's There's, the other one? Carol like, Mor- they're more likely out to Carol kill Morgan. each other. I blacked that Carol Morgan. What was the other one? They're both Carol Morgan. Cargan or oh, Moral, okay, okay. how you combine their names. Okay. Because like Morgan and Carl, that's just gross, man. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Uh, not going there. There's some bad eye jokes in there. <laughs> Rob B. Yeah, with some full metal jacket flair. Yep, yep. Okay, keep going. Rob B. says, this has to be the best episode of Walking Dead in recent memory. Quickly ending boring subplots like Whiny Sam and the Rogue Wolf, all while pounding us with balls-to-the-wall action. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. Morgan and Carl are I just... feel flushed. Ugh. Could this be the start of a Walking Dead renaissance, or will we return to slow slog of episodes past... Come on, come on! You know the answer to that. I mean, you know the answer, Rob. So the hope, the hope uh, uh, caucus would say that everything you said is true. They have really tied off a lot of bullshit plots, and I agree with that. Previous bullshit plots have now some interesting underpinnings that they could, you know, like Rick and Michonne. That mm-hmm. would be very interesting. Uh, this whole Carol Morgan thing getting injected with a little bit of Denise. I like this Negan thing. Uh, the potential that yeah. has a bunch of his dudes just got blown to fuck. Yeah, well, he's gonna, probably not going to be happy. Yeah, is he going to be? What's going on with that? That's right. So there are, and and again, you're going in, you're heading into like the one of the golden ages of Walking Dead, the comic books. Mm-hmm. So these are all reasons to be hopeful. However, yeah. past performance, while not guaranteeing future results, uh-huh. is a decent indicator. It is, and I think if Warren Buffett were looking at the show, he he probably wouldn't be buying. You know. <laughs> Sure, he'd be bearish. Yeah, he he would be. He'd still be selling, selling hard. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't know. I I don't know because I thought honestly last season, the last season and a half killed me because I was really thinking Gimple. Like, okay, he shed all the bad decisions of previous administrations, and you know a lot of the disgruntled actors that wanted out of their thing because they were Darabont people and and were ready to go. And it just never materialized. So and now I'm like, I'm kind of cautiously pessimistic. And if it turns out to be better than that, then I will treat it appropriately. I think that's the proper setting for The Walking Dead. Cautious pessimism. Yeah. Uh, he says he has two complaints. The mid-season finale ended with whiny Sam saying, Mom, Mom, Mom. The premiere pretends that it didn't happen. And then they stop amid the chaos to have a group chat. What the fuck? She just fired a mom glare at him. Let's, I guess. let's stop him. Quieted him down. Uh, no, I mean, also the RPG to the fire. Whatever. No, nah, I. Yeah. Um, you're right. I, I, again, it doesn't. There's uh, a strange continuity thing. Just like 
we had him saying mom, mom, mom. Now it's not so, so happening. So imagine if if the, if they went with the rain, and I know everybody'd be like, "Oh, this is the Death Star too. This is just what they did in in the previous season." It would be, yeah, and it would be. But it also, as the zombies started to get a little bit more curious, like I could see Sam losing his shit. Like I felt like they did enough uh, to explain why he lost his shit at that point. Uh huh. But. You know, this guy who goes, mom, 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 and then is silent in the trooper until it gets to be dark. And I'm just like, I'm explaining. It's dark. He sees a child kid, zombie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now he's really starting to lose faith in the plan. But I don't know. I'm trying to think of how they could use the awkward grain. I hope that's not as close as we get to seeing a zombie baby. Uh, that, that child zombie. What we've was had, he? We've Maybe younger child zombies by far. That's true. That girl in the yeah, first episode. Teddy bear girl. Yeah. Really young. She was, what, maybe five? Yeah. If that. Uh, anyway, all right, move on to Ellen. This is a long one. Uh, we're, we're approaching the end here pretty soon, though. The end. This episode was not only very rad, it also cut through some of the, some of, sorry, also cut through so much of the meandering shit that The Walking Dead has become known for. Feels like they heard all the legitimate That's criticisms. That's spinoff, meandering shit. Meandering <laughs> shit. The Walking Dead. <laughs> wow. Fear uh, the meandering shit. Yeah, she said it. <laughs> it feels like they uh, they heard some of the criticisms and adjusted. I don't agree. I think they're doing the same old, same old for Walking Dead. I do. No, I will say that one of the positives of having a show kind of been run by first timers who might be a little insecure and brittle is that I do think popular opinion could affect them for good and ill. Uh Okay. Like I see, sure. I see a, a a not self confident production at the way they handled the Glenn controversy. Like they decided mm-hmm. going in that they're going to handle this way, and they're going to make it a mystery, and they couldn't even fucking wait twenty four hours for that shit to go out there in jail before they start issuing press releases and right and oh well you know it's uh Glenn story might not be done. <laughs> I mean like just have the confidence that you made a creative decision and and stick it out there. So did you see the comment that kirkman made oh there's been recent comments yeah yeah um he came out and basically said you guys are getting too worked over the stuff outside of the show too worked up about it is he talking to fans he was talking yes to the fans and specifically about the thing where he removed glenn's name uh scott not scott uh fucking what is his name Stephen young Stephen young from the credits sequence what do you mean by two worked up he's like D- just pay attention to what's in the show don't worry about the others that is what's in the show asshole a yeah that's in the fucking show sorry your credits are in the show that's yeah, a deliberate b, manipulation to make us think something don't be fucking bullshitting us b, if you wanted us to think that why make all these comments out in the press about it he's motherfucker. a fucker he's an asshole yeah i we had a lot of people he gets, right in way, last he, he week gets about, this way in his letter department too like he's very very defensive about his creative decisions which in my case, like, just, I, just shut be the fuck up. Just be a little up. more humble and just, admit, just, yeah, we fucked up or yeah. something like that. Like, oh, your most passionate fans are parsing your material for their most beloved characters. Oh, my God, what a terrible problem. Right. Now you're telling them to cool down. Like, I feel like you say that's that's that, that's the James T. Kirk equivalent of saying get a life. Uh-huh. You know, like, People okay. People don't enjoy that. You're right. I don't need to dedicate my nine o'clocks on Sunday mm-hmm. evenings. Thank you for setting me free, Mr. Kirkman. Like, that's so shitty. I agree. That's so shitty. Ridiculous. We had somebody write in about it last week, and I uh, I don't think it made it to the emails. Anyway, uh, let's continue with Ellen's email here. I'm chopping a little bit of it for time. But uh, she says, the difference between this episode and the entire first half of the season is amazing. 
The first half hour, uh, the first half took hours to tell as much story as this episode tells in 40 minutes. Yep. This episode is lean, it's tight, and I was gasping at points because I was so genuinely shocked. Which you had mentioned, I forget if you mentioned this on the actual show, but you kind of wish you didn't know the thing about Carl's eye. I think I because it might have been. I, I do because I think that they really nailed that moment. I thought so too. That yeah. particular moment, that that camera turning around to Carl looked just like from the comics, and this horrific injury. I was like, wow, and. And I remember I in that coming, in, I remember but... in the comics that was a genuine like holy shit moment yeah. because all the things you think of like are kind of <laughs> primitive in their medical technology like that's a really bad shot but it's also not like right in the middle of the forehead and and he is able to speak after it like yeah like there it's it's genuine moment of tension and also like I mad maybe now that I'm thinking about it people could have thought, thought about uh you know this parallel him being shot by the accidentally shot for the deer, but my you know that th- that seems plausible that a little kid would get into mortal danger more than once in his career as a zombie fighter. Yeah. So yeah. I I thought that was great, and I felt like you kind of like you know same thing. A lot of moments in Game of Thrones where I read the books, and it's like I did this to be a better podcaster, but. Uh, you know, I can only enjoy vicariously people's reactions to these momentous plots and judge uh-huh. on how well it worked versus, the, you know, how well it worked when I read it. Um, yeah, I kind of wish I had that visceral, oh, wow, because I thought that was really well done. Yeah, and she says the same thing with Sam when he gets his, his bull cut torn apart. <laughs> I was floored. <laughs> it's been ages since the show has been unpredictable. Hopefully his hair will be better in death than it was in life. Yeah. I Also, I think that the other thing is... If you're not going, why foreshadow Sam's meltdown at all last season if you're going to bury it that far in the episode? Why not just have huh. them, they're out and they're in their guts and they're holding hands and they got kids with them, including a baby who could cry at any time. That's uh, a lot of genuine human drama. Do you need to have him going, mom, mom? She Which turns just... out to be a red herring anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about the mom-mom thing, but they should have just tucked Sam under one of their... They're Afghan things. They're ponchos. Yeah. It's like, look at the look at my chest, Sam. <laughs> look at the chest here, Sam. <laughs> Don't look at the walkers. All right, Joe from Cleveland says, well, hats off to the Spoiling Dead for completely nailing the mid-season premiere. They did. Uh, it, that's the other thing. Like, even knowing the comic book plots, now we know the actual details of how mm-hmm. the episode is going to play out. It was totally spoiled for us. Although I thought that that was effective because I might have been calling bullshit about this little powwow and like dividing and going but knowing that that was coming even though i didn't believe it made the trust in gabriel feel a lot more solid like if i was just confronted that just raw naked not knowing to expect (laughs) i think you and i had been like it would take it as a commercial break to get over it for sure you know uh uh he says in all seriousness the episode was fairly good i did have an issue with a few things though all of the Alexandrians becoming master zombie killers at the end of the episode, and there not being even one casualty in the entire uh, extinguishing of the zombie pack. Mm-hmm. bit ridiculous. Two, I thought the scene where Carl got his eye shot out was okay. The visual effects were sort of lame. Would have liked to have seen a little more blood squirting and agony from Carl. You know what, though? I actually think that them kind trying to construct a shot of Carl with his eye blown out from the comics, it looked exactly like that. Yeah. So it's like maybe if they weren't trying to so slavishly. And also I think the other thing they're really trying hard is like we got to get Chandler Riggs in makeup from this point on or he's going to have to wear an eye patch or something. Like do you really blow a crater at the side of his face? 
Uh, do you make it really squirting blood or do you make it more or less like the comics, which is cool for comic book fans and it's believable you could survive through something like that. And easy to cover. And yeah, like I think this is essentially going to be entirely covered by an eye patch with maybe some latex kind of. Yeah, like a small scar coming yeah. out the side. Yeah. Could be. Uh, number three, again, the zombie awareness from the group is just comically bad. Michonne, Carl, Rick didn't see the zombies closing in on Sam or Jesse. Uh, number four, kudos to Glenn for unrealistically escaping death again. <laughs> Pretty impressive that not one of the bullets hit him. Uh, yeah, we talk, kind of talked about that. Uh, moving on, Frank says, I figure it'll be a point of discussion as to how quickly day turns to night when walking to your car during the zombie apocalypse. Yep. Here's the plan. We'll walk to the cars, make noise, drive the walkers back to the quarry, make profit. Good plan. But apparently this walk was longer than the Mogadishu mile. I'm telling My you. My guess is they filmed the big zombie <laughs> eating hot mom and her son, plus Carl getting shot in the eye on a soundstage as a way to adhere to AMC's ridiculous rule of 50% of the shots in every episode being shot indoors. That's something we hadn't discussed about it. I wonder if there's anything to that. I just want to know where the Pakistanis and the Malaysians were with their armored troop transports because, <laughs> right. you know, they weren't such pussies staying behind a base. Maybe, maybe Carl was going to get his eye blown out. Maybe not. That's an elaborate Mogadishu, Mogadishu, Black Hawk Down reference. Yep. Uh, which I, I've read a little. Apparently, that's not like that didn't take place how they pictured it in the movie. But really? Whatever. Really? They Surprising, Hollywood, right? They, they Hollywooded it? I know. Shocking. Uh, he, he concludes with, all in, I enjoyed the episode. Uh, way to go with RPG coming into action so quickly. Human kill of the week. So we've got, if I'm correct... They showed us with four rounds of RPGs. There was three in a case and one that was loaded into the, the launcher mm-hmm. that the soldier had slung over his back. Now, there could be additional cases that there were either on the ground or further in the truck bed that we didn't see, but we know they've got at least four, so they could have used half of their munitions up at this point. I think what they should do with this is let it fade into the background. And then spring an RPG on us when we need it and don't sure. realize that we have it. Something kind of awesome. And I, yeah. they, there's precedent for that because the grenade that Rick uses to escape from the CDC right. was like shown in the second episode. And Carol was like hanging on to it. And she's like, oh, yeah. I got this in my purse. Yeah, Would this dra- help? Yeah, I, I, I did your dry cleaning. and but Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I feel like that they have the restraint to do that in their DNA. Yeah. But that was this, also a Darabont. That was also Darabont. Yeah. That'll hang around. <laughs> yep. Yep. Maybe they have some vestigial uh, fortitude there. <laughs> but I also think I also don't want to see them shooting like fourteen rounds off. Right. It would lose its impact. Yeah. You, that needs to be a big event. Yes. Every time they shoot an RPG. Yes. So. And I think that's why people were complaining about lighting a fire with an RPG. Oh yeah. Because it's not necessary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe there should be a conversation. I I thought it was also shocking that like. I mean, gas is a fairly important commodity in this world. Like, you know, leaving aside the whole that turning to jelly and all that stuff that's far right. into it. Yeah. Um, I'm say it's diesel fuel. It's ama- I thought it was interesting that, like, in his own way, Daryl unilaterally deciding to use how many gallons of fuel to, you know, to pollute a potential water source, a place where they could do some fishing. Uh, you know, it's essentially, and then set it on fire mm-hmm. with an RPG. Like, I get it. It's, you know, he's got to make his own decisions and whatnot, but. And what's more important, a gas tanker full of gas or, and a single RPG shot or a town that you could fortify and live in. I feel like 
it was worthwhile. The guy, like he made the right call. Given, okay, let's say he doesn't have matches. Let's say there's no other scenario here. He's got to make the choice. I think he made the right one. Why in the retention pond, though? I don't know why he pours gas in there. I thought it just leaked out everywhere, and he really, like, there was so much of it, it just went all over the place. Like, I feel like it had been better off. Like, there's still cars or some, maybe set a structure on fire or something. Will it float and all of it burn off? I'm sure, yeah, gas floats Like, I know oil will float. No, 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 gas is is lighter than than water. Okay, so. so maybe it'll all just burn out and... Yeah. They can drink that water. It's still, I don't, uh, I don't know if I'd trust it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe have, I don't know. The, I mean, you the can dump, you can dump a whole it. tanker's worth of oil in a pristine sound in Alaska and it'll kind of eventually not be so fucked up, but yeah, I don't know that I want to go lick pelicans from that area. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> or fish out of the fish out of that hole. Uh, Mary Kay says, I used to watch The Walking Dead literally sitting on the edge of my seat, ready to grab the arm of my husband at any moment. That hasn't happened in a long time. What is missing is tension. The show used to feel a lot more real to me. There is no tension anymore, really, because they kind of threw all the rules for dealing with zombies that they had earlier established out the window. Agreed. The scenes with them killing all the zombies was preposterous to me. At the prison, they had had to make special suits in case they got bit, and they actually had a plan, and they weren't near as many zombies as last night. Uh, I was actually just kind of laughing during the sequence, especially when they showed the slashing close-ups of each character. So that's another reaction to the editing they did there, is laughing yeah. at it. Um, uh, just as vi- uh, just as valid. I remember that I thought, in, in the last night when I was watching it live, that I thought the strangely explosions in the sky sat, uh, music with the rapid intercuts of everyone killing zombies was a little absurd. But you thought it was cool, so like you know, I respect that opinion it's, as well. It is very stylistic. Like they were going for a thing there, and I respect that. Yeah. And maybe they didn't hit it perfectly, but I thought they hit it well enough that okay, it was cool for me anyway. Some people laughed at it, laughed in the face of it, like Mary Kay. Uh, she also says the believability of people just suddenly able to run through zombie hordes and not get caught or bit, like Denise. I mean, she was kind of in danger most of the time, but the when she was actually her. running, she was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was when they slowed down to kill a, a walker or yeah, just hang out and have a conversation that things got bad. Anyway, uh, that's the final email. So I guess we have a couple of emails for a spoiler section. It won't be a very big one here, but there are some things to talk about. All right. So that's it for the episode. Take us out. Uh, if you would like to send us feedback, more feedback, do so at watchingdead at baldmove.com. You can also get on our forums every week. We have a thread for the the episode proper, and people start all kinds of alternate spoiler threads, and who knows what to talk about the discussion. You can get all that at forums.baldmove.com. And we'll be back next week on another Monday. We've got our live yeah. watch on Sunday. But now it's time for the spoiler section. All right. So if you want spoilers, we'll see you after the music. If not... We'll see you next week. Till then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're back with the spoiler section. Uh, I've got a couple of emails I'm going to read back to back here because they both deal with kind of the same thing. Okay. Uh, and then one further one after that. All right. Because I, I will say that, man, uh, with with Chandler Riggs being the kind of actor that he is right now and uh, 
you know, with him kind of living with this grizzled wound, there's a there's a plot where Carl tries to infiltrate Negan's camp single-handedly. And there's some genuine moments between Negan and Carl that I think are going to be pretty special with the people that they've huh. got tapped. I mean, I know what Chandler Riggs is capable of and the the joke, the comedian. I know what the comedian's capable of. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like that, they're, that that's going to be good. That's going to be real. And, and hit in a way that the Chandler Riggs is too old to play, uh, you know, the lost little boy eating the gallons of chocolate pudding while his dad's dying. Mm-hmm. He's going to be just the right age to to square off in this way. So I'm okay. really optimistic about that that plot line in particular. Yeah. Yeah, there should be. I'm, I'm really and curious I, to see how they're going to introduce Negan. That's the other thing. I've forgotten enough details about how that goes mm-hmm. that it's going to be kind of like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be too nitpicky about how they implement it. Okay. Uh, well, I've got some some Glenn stuff for you. All right, bring it on, Glenn. Uh, both Brad S and Luke B have some comments about Glenn and his death and all that stuff. It says uh, Brad S starts with um, Glenn escaping fate once again. We are definitely seeing him become invincible, setting us up for his death at the end of the season at the hands of Negan. Or sorry, Negan. Correct. See, I know it'd be perfect. And I spell in my notes K N E E because I know every time I got to it, I'd say Negan. If otherwise, I'm doing it too. Uh, it would be perfect and may. Probably, but maybe not make up for his fake out by giving us a real shock. Huh. Uh, and then Luke B. I have an alternate theory on that. Okay. Let me let me get through Luke B's because he's got the same stuff. Uh, so after watching Talking Dead last night, I'm convinced that Kirkman and the show are trying to get people to Google Negan. This all started last year when some interviewer asked Kirkman for a fake spoiler for season six, and he replied with something about Negan, uh, you know, beating beating Glenn to death with a bat. Uh, then you get Glenn's that was on Hardwick's uh, Midnight, right? I, I think so. I don't remember where I think it was. So. But... And that's my first like, wow, this guy just doesn't give a shit about your enjoyment as a fan, right? Because it's the hardcore fans would tune into something like that, uh-huh. and then like that's. I mean, I guess he's he could be. You could take that as him joking. Like that's one of the spoilers that tells you nothing because he could just be giving that saying that it's uh, it's, it's a remix, or it could be that. He's just being a dick and telling you how it's going to be. And they frame it as a fake spoiler. So, but he, but he's he gives but a he real might be comic giving spoiler. A real spoiler. Yeah, I no, know. He, it's a real fuck you. Uh, I mean, then you get Glenn's, it must be fun to be in his head. <laughs> and 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 there's a streak in me that, that he's having fun. There's yeah. a streak in me that admires what he's doing here. But mm-hmm. as the small business owner who relies on the uh, the compassion and the solidarity of a fan base. I'm kind of like staring in horror at what he's doing, poking them with a stick. Yeah, is not a that's great a man. Idea. That's a man who's fuck you rich and doesn't care. Right? Maybe he even right. wants to stop doing this. Maybe. Maybe he wants what he's got some other property now. He's got on Showtime. Well, I mean, his Sky. What is it? Skybound or Sky? No, you whatever. Know, there's his, another kind of creepy comic thing. Is creepy he's... thing that he's doing now. And I think it's either on HBO or maybe it's on yeah, Showtime. Yeah, I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's on Cinemax. I don't know. Anyway, it goes on. Then you get Glenn's fake-out death last half season. It's had one purpose, and it was to purposefully set up... Well, that's what purpose is. Uh, set up in the non-comic fan's mind that Glenn could not die. Then with the finale, you have the Negan name drop. Then last night, the show opened with it again. Then on Talking Dead, Chris Hardwick flat-out says Abraham had the right had the right question, who is Negan? I might be reading too much into this, but I think Kirkman and et al. are trying to bait the audience into looking up who Negan is. And then they will see the Glenn spoiler. That's true. Like, and yeah. And he's going to rope a dope us? 
That would definitely be the first That's the like, smart... search results, right? Like Negan yes. is going to bring up spoilers. So is that is the takeover? It, yeah, pretty much. Because I feel like the the first person there that said that they're building up this R of invincibility is is actually uh, I mean he's not wrong, um, but I'm gonna take the other I'm gonna take the devil's advocate and say that uh, or the god's advocate because I think it's the right one. <laughs> uh, what the fuck? Now I'm baiting the audience. I like that the Kirkman shit's going to my head. I mean, if the devil's speaking, God has to <laughs> have a counterpoint, right? Yeah, the cloven hoof fits. Um, so I think that. If they do kill Glenn at this point, it's going to feel really cheap because of him surviving through kind of dumb luck on so many occasions. That they've yeah. jeopardized so much that uh, Negan putting the, the baseball bat against his skull, people are going to be like, ah, this isn't going to happen. Rick's going to – and maybe that makes it more powerful. But I think the smart money is on – and I can't believe I'm saying this in the same sentence – is on Kirkman – Baiting us with these naked spoilers, having people look up this stuff. It's like, as you say, if you if you Google Negan Glenn, first result's going to be probably Glenn's head splattered with his baseball bat. Yeah, um, that it would be an interesting setup to have again Daryl, which has been my theory for three years now. Daryl take the bat because right. at this point, Glenn, you were going to be kind of like, you know, how many times can you? Yeah, how many times can can you you? have our uh, our heart up in our throats before we as a protective reflex don't do that i did it tonight I, there's no fucking way glenn dies they just did this will he won't he thing right and that's what luke says as well he's surely won't just be a carbon uh, carbon copy of the comic now right that would be interesting to use internet culture against itself yeah that we know there's this many spoilers we know comic book fans are going to want to spoil people uh you know now it's zig where we should have zagged and and do something that will genuinely shock people and i feel like a show there there would be another option if the show didn't take itself so fucking seriously uh in like making glenn kind of a joke where they constantly put him in peril mm. and he's constantly it's like saved by West something Batman. random but then one time yeah he fucking dies yeah sorry he's dead now yeah like maybe that would be it. Wouldn't be shocking in the same way, but it might be interesting in a different kind of way. Mm. But the show is too self serious. That's a Z Nation kind of plot, exactly. Like I would love to see something like that in Z Nation, but this show won't do that. It's kind of the opposite of how they always killed Kenny. Yeah, but he always came back next episode, except for that one like weird season and a half where he was dead permanently. Yeah, it's like I, yeah, I it's like you play it as that. a joke and then you play it straight and then you make it a joke again and then uh, you just stop doing it. So. Anyway. All right. Last email. Edwin C. Uh, this is a doozy. Long one here. Just wanted to give you the comic comparisons for this Edwin's episode. Edwin's the uh, comic spoiler aficionado. Yep. And he is going to he's gonna trot them all out here. Ah, uh, damn it. Number one. Rick and crew walk out into the walkers. This happens the exact same way in the comics, with the exception of Ron shooting Carl. I mean, he did. But I didn't you say in the comics, like, Carl kind of leaps in front? No, so in the comics, Douglas, who is the Deanna oh, analog, yeah, yeah. is the one who That's shoots right. Rick for getting them into this mess. That's and, right. And uh, Carl takes the bullet. So, and I actually think this is an improvement. Yeah, yeah. Like, the character of Ron, who may not even exist in the comics, hmm. uh, and the pathos he had, with, I mean, that stuff was actually kind of cool. Yeah, I think he doesn't exist in the comics, from what I 
from the emails I remember before. Anyway, uh, number two, Rick goes nuts on the walkers. This also happened the same way in the comics. Rick, unable to control his emotions, starts taking out walkers and everyone joins in, except there are a few casualties, including Morgan, who's bit by a walker and put down by Michonne. Also, there are only a few hundred walkers behind the walls instead of thousands, so they are able to control the crowd of zombies easier well, without distracting them as Daryl did. So Daryl's subplot thing. But also, I RPG think people are, people are thinking, and I think you've fallen victim to this too, is that you're forgetting the fact that the majority of the horde got let off. Right, so, but I thought they were – like, there must be at least a 1,000 walkers out there. I think that's an upper limit, sure. Like 50%. Yeah, I I think it was – Like, I think the original herd was four or 5,000, and I'd say that they drew off about 80% of that. So just judging from the massive crowd that we saw them lead out. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think there are like, – if there weren't that many, why not kill them when they're at the wall? I don't, I don't know. Anyway, uh, he goes on also um, – the rest outside the wall are pushed back little by little in the days after, and Rick comes up with ways to trap them with positioning cards, certain ways around Alexandria, making mazes for the herd uh, to walk through. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Glenn's rescue of Maggie in the comics. Maggie doesn't really in, uh, need saving like this, but Glenn and a few others are coming back from a supply run, and they use Spencer's rope technique that he used a few episodes back, which failed spectacularly, uh-huh. to get back into Alexandria. Yeah. Uh, it goes bad, and it almost gets them killed, with Glenn losing his cool and stating that he's not going to make it out alive, foreshadowing his death by Negan. Uh, number four, Negan's group tries to ambush Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham. So it seems like they tried to weave a lot of that stuff into the prologue, the mazes and kind of Rick being tricksy. Yeah, it's... They wanted to get that stuff and in. And the rope trick, like yeah, all of that. yeah, yeah. They're they're still doing it. It's just they're mixing it up so much. It's the remix. For That's no what, this real is reason. why I didn't fucking reread the comics, man. Yeah. I'd rather not know all this. this Too this bad. Stuff. Number four, uh, it, the the ambushing uh, by Negan's group of Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham in the comics. Michonne and Rick are also present. They're making their way back from the hilltop, having made an agreement with their leader to take out Negan when they run into a truck full of Negan's men and start to regulate. See, and this is interesting. They haven't even introduced any of the other settlements, which makes right. me wonder if they're going to cheap out with the budget and just and make this Alexandria versus the world. Oof. In which case, like, I'm really interested in see how they do the final chapters of the Negan plot because that kind of that kind of depends on all these communities coming together to face an existential threat. Okay. Should be interesting. Uh, number five, Car, uh, Carl gripping his dad's hand. In the comics, Carl is in a coma for quite a while, wakes up with temporary memory, memory loss. This is the moment in the comics where Carl started to get really scary to me. In one issue, he hides in a supply truck in an attempt to assassinate Negan. Yeah, that's what I'm uh, thinking of. Yep. When everyone asks where he is, Abraham states that he's fine and he should be more afraid of getting on Carl's bad side than worrying about his safety. <laughs> Uh, he becomes very unpredictable after this, which hysterically makes him Negan's favorite person of the group. Yep. That's interesting. And he says, even though we get Negan's name drop, I think we won't be seeing him until the last episode of the season. Um, but I Man. I think he's talking about all these other groups being introduced before then. Yeah, I was going to say. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Who knows? I feel like it's... I mean, Hilltop is just literally a kind of makeshift palisade type of like you know stumps with the sharp points like settler times 
really uh, settlement like no real buildings or anything no they 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 have but they're all kind of like rough hewn settle you know frontier type yeah. settlements gotcha and they got like blacksmiths and horses and shit and then the king i can't remember what the kingdom is uh how they're laid out and what that's kind of acreage guy, and stuff. Right? that's the yeah that's i think his name is ezekiel okay that has the uh the, the the tiger creed i mean that's i mean throwing a tiger would be fucking cool and for everyone's like, well, that's too comic booky. I present you Michonne. Right. Like Michonne striding in with her two chained up walkers with no arms with her katana and her her cloak was comic booky as hell. And they went there. They're, they're doing Jesus, which is another comic booky guy. We've had confirmed shots of this guy, Jesus, on the set. Um, and Morgan's already kind of like the Jesus archetype. Um, I, I don't know. Like the, the, the thing is, with the tiger, would be the budget. If you have a CGI tiger mauling a bunch of zombies, that'd be fucking cool, but very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I would love... I mean, I think you could do it with Hilltop, and maybe you just do an, a third settlement that's kind of like Alexandria. But you have to have some way to visually dis- make them distinguishable. So maybe just right. Hilltop... And, do you think they would work with just Hilltop tiger and Alexandria? People. They're all tiger people. They they all they don't have sure. pet tigers they're tigers sure they're like a zinti uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh from the the Larry Nivens verse yeah uh, or the Skyrim cat people <laughs> whatever they're called I don't know never played Skyrim okay uh so do you think they can make it work with just two settlements I don't know because I don't know that arc of the comic book really well um but I feel like Negan's group has got to be big enough to where losing these what seven dudes out on the road isn't going to be a huge problem for him, but it has to be like, if they're only going to go Negan versus Alexandria, it's got to be small enough to where I believe the Alexandrians could take them. Yeah. And I think that's, that's also a crucial piece of it is that you are, what makes it work so well in the comics is that you kind of are, you know, you're inspired by what Rick has accomplished in his speech about what you can do. And you think that like, Oh, well now Rick is going, you're going to see Rick steamroll these mercenary bands and it turns out that oh you can have a guy who's just as smart and resourceful and tough as rick but he's got like a negative alignment like the governor like Mm -hmm. the guy's the governor governor is insane and yeah and uh, you know not the best tactician and 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 so in negan's i mean negan's is a really interesting guy okay uh, you wonder how much of stuff he's doing because he's crazy and how much that he thinks that's what needs to be done to keep a measure of like that, that his brutality is calculated into mm-hmm. getting a desired result from his people. Gotcha. Rather than I'm doing this because I'm an insane lunatic, like almost a great good sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is like a Machiavellian thing rather than huh. uh, a governor thing. Okay. Um, should be interesting. I hope Jeffrey Dean Morgan can bring, a lot of good stuff to that character. See, I thought that and was the, the direction great thing and about, writing don't fuck him over. The great thing about the character of the comedian is he, the comedian's not insane. He's got a point. Like, yeah, I'm living in a crazy world and kind of laughing at it and not taking it too seriously and doing what I'm told is how I, how I get through this mm-hmm. crazy world uh, with a measure of sanity. And I think that's kind of Negan's, that's, that, that I think is brilliant casting. Yeah. So as like I said, there's a lot of reason to be excited, but then you you get this long list of remixes that seem to be pointless. That is the reason for for your cautious pessimism. Yeah. All right, that's it. That's it for the episode. We'll uh, be back next week, I guess. Yep. Again, watching dead at baldmove.com. If you got feedback or forums.baldmove.com. 
And uh, I am interested to see. I really hope that they don't string Negan out to the final episode, but it seems like that's probably something they'll do. Probably. There's there's a lot of rebuilding to be done in Alexandria. Yeah, and there's also a lot of... of, I I feel like they could use a little bit more dancing with Negan's men and, you know, a way for us to really feel like that that Rick... I mean, because I guess... If they do like in the comics, there'll be another confrontation with Negan's men that Alexandrians handily beat, and think that's the last we've heard of that until Negan really shows up. He's got to he's got to deal with it himself. Yeah, and and you see like you know the gates surrounded by bad motherfuckers with guns and lots of them. At the very and you least, realize that that you know Joe like, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> it's hard to imagine anything that would be scarier and more impressive than the tank rolling up. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see how it's done. Uh, but you, you also have to remember, as far as timeline goes... Negan with a tank wrapped in barbed wire would be more terrifying. <laughs> right. Two tanks. Two tanks. <laughs> uh, but you also have to think, as far as the timeline, uh, they still have to find Alexandria, right? Like, they were going to find them at the beginning of this episode. Daryl ruined that plan. Yeah, they're how many now miles Now he's got out? no idea where sure. the explosion came from, what killed his men, all that stuff. So still a little investigation to do. Yeah, a couple search. Yeah, and then you're, you're right. Yeah. There's like, you know, Alexander's tore up from the floor up. They got, they're knee deep in the dead. They got to get all that shit cleaned the up. The cleanup alone is yeah. going to be. But uh, on the other hand, I don't want to see three episodes of that. I don't really want to see it. I can just imagine it. But yeah, they got to rebuild the walls. They're talking about. I think there's going to be some debate about how their society. There's going to be a big debate with Morgan on one side and Carol on the other about how this society is going to want to be. Mm-hmm. And Rick's going to be like really kind of like Solomon trying to. He's going to take these arguments seriously because now he's got this newfound optimism about making this work. Yeah, and building this new world. And how do if we're building a new world, how does it look? So or these he are, might be out of commission a little bit, like in season two, where he's dealing with Carl being injured. Ah, kind of just by his. Well, side. that would be another Kirkman remix. Honestly, and, and Michonne has to step up and deal with the moralizing. This is what I've been kind of waiting for: is how do you rebuild society, and what does that look like, and what struggles you have to like stop fighting the zombies, stop fight, like really try to lay down roots and hmm. and make something of this. And I'm yeah. I'm excited conceptually. We'll see what, what the execution is, but I we'll see. there's definitely a lot of room for for uh, optimism. Yeah, cautious pessimism. Cautious pessimism. <laughs> All right, thanks everyone for watching. We'll see you next week. All right, bye bye. <laughs>